Hello, and welcome to StarCast. I am Joe Stark, and tonight I am talking with Eric Marable. Eric first appeared on my radar nearly a year ago while listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Uh, Eric would regularly email the show, and humor would ensue. So I've always associated his name with positivity. But after connecting with Eric through Facebook, um, I discovered that he's also extremely talented with his hands, namely in the making of geek-centric pieces of art, like helmets, weapons, shields, even some furniture pieces. Um, Eric makes some really nice-looking stuff, and best of all, he has very little ego in this regard. He's extremely humble, and I'm ecstatic that I was able to get the opportunity to have him on the show. Ladies and gentlemen, Eric Marable. Eric, what's up, man? Hey, Joe. How's it going? Uh, doing pretty good, man. I was uh, excited that this uh, this recording came together the way it did. Yeah, I am too. I, I love listening to your guys' shows. I love listening to the guests that are on there and the different things you guys get on to talk about. It's really a lot of enjoyment. A lot of It's a lot of fun. Right on, dude. Uh, yeah, I had uh, texted you earlier this week and seen if you wanted to to be on and uh this is great i just got a text from you earlier and can't believe how you know it seemed like we were just texting what was that maybe three hours ago or so yeah and then boom here we are <laughs> <laughs> yeah awesome yeah a little relaxed now have a nice cold beverage and get to cap it off with a good hopefully some good talks hell yeah yeah absolutely man so um so with the PCL emails back in the day <laughs> and through present day, right? <laughs> the fun doesn't end. Yeah. Yeah. I, I calmed it down a little bit. I understand, you know, I figured out how Twitter works so I can pop off on Twitter without having to write incoherent emails in and, and <laughs> not make as much of an ass of myself. But <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know I listen to, Man, I listened to PCL for a long time before I sent an email in. And uh, even then, I think it was just like a, hey, I love the show <laughs> type email, you know. I don't know if I've ever really even written in with something like of substance other than to just, you know, tell them that their show is awesome or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I think the first contact I had with those guys, I messaged Jake about like um, the the mystery boxes and stuff and me and him and I were chatting back and forth on Facebook for like an hour and a half, two hours. And I'm like, I don't, I got pretty comfortable talking to him and I got, I'm kind of an introvert and I don't really open up too easily, which I'm opening up pretty good right now. But, um, I watch really bad shows with my wife, like shows she likes and I don't. So we're sitting, sitting, watching some lame show and I had a beer or two or three or, a shot or two and i was like you know what i'm gonna pick up my phone and i'm gonna text or email in pcl and i just i i don't remember what it was but it was something incredibly stupid and i opened up pretty good <laughs> <laughs> total moron of myself and then it just became kind of habit like oh my god we're gonna watch svu again well, i guess i'm gonna email in pcl again <laughs> oh, yeah like that's the, the sorts of shows, like uh, 
like dramas type stuff like that? Not really. I think it's like the specific shows that she really likes that have been on forever or they have their own little routine and formula that I just can't stay focused in on the show and I kind of zone out and get on my phone and whatever ensues ensues at that point. But like she likes SVU. I, I used to and I don't really care for it anymore, but that was like the show that always sent me off the top. But I watched like Chicago Fire, Chicago PD. Those kind of shows are the same as SVU, really. But I really yeah, it like, seems like it. Yeah, I really like those shows, though. So yeah, um, when my wife and I first uh, we when we had our first apartment, we had something like two years of just you know two seven and nine, no not even basic cable, and so we got by with just having friends like the entire ten seasons on DVD. So any random Tuesday or whatever you to walk past our apartment door, our incredibly thin apartment door, you would have heard, you know, the theme song for Friends play. <laughs> and then when we finally got our house and we were doing a little better financially, we got cable and we went through a huge law and order kick where, you know, we had a DVR and we just filled it up with like, oh man, I think law and order, law and order SVU and then the criminal intent one also. And then we went through CSI kick for a while. and But after a while, yeah, it kind of fell off on almost all those shows. Yeah, there's so many good shows out there. But I've noticed that like as we were getting into some of the more popular Netflix shows and some of the Amazon Prime shows that, were, that are really good, uh, she started to kind of fall off of some of the stuff that I like. So uh, my work schedule like right now is really bad where I have to be in bed by nine, which limits how much TV we really watch. Cause we don't really wind down till about eight o'clock. So I don't, we don't have a lot to watch together. We, and I, which kind of relates to, I don't have any time on my phone to, to send stupid emails, but yeah, we, we watch some of that stuff still, but it's such a small amount of time we get to spend together that we, at least we get to share it with quality television now versus just sitting there vegging out on the TV watching whatever random thing was on you know what i mean mm, totally yeah um my wife works um she well her shift she starts at man anywhere from like 1 30 in the morning to like 4 30 in the morning depending on how busy they are and so she goes to bed really early also and basically her bedtime is kind of the same as is our kids and so when we used to be able to watch all these different more you know like mature themed shows you know because there's just certain stuff that we're not going to put on in front of the kids my boys are six and nine and so you know i i'm definitely not going to watch game of thrones in front of them or anything <laughs> like that you know and so it seems like when the boys are up we're always watching more kids programming and so it's kind of fun that every once in a while if my wife and i do have some time together we'll watch something like that that we can attempt to enjoy together otherwise we just have to watch separately and then just talk about it later on yeah i'm not allowed to do that i I made the mistake on Jessica Jones because I think we hit a we hit an episode where she didn't really like it because it got dark and I can't watch it around the kids so I kind of finished it on my own just when I had the spare time and then she found out I finished it on my own and got upset <laughs> she got upset with me <laughs> so we, yeah I, re I remember that sort of stuff too <laughs> and yeah. now now we've just kind of accepted that this is the way it is but yeah I yeah. wish we could yeah my wife is like we don't we don't do that separate. So I'm like, okay, sorry. <laughs> well, and, and since my wife works, you know, the mornings, she's getting off work around the time most people are going in. So now she has all this time during the day and so she's binging the shit out of shows, you know, that have been on my list for years that I haven't gotten around to watching. 
And so on some of them, I'm like, all right, just kind of fill me on what are the awesome parts. <laughs> and so she did that for me with weeds, and I think she's on Californication now. Oh, I hooked, I put a TV in the office here because my wife, she works from home. And I, I hooked up the Netflix to the and everything to the TV. And I said, here, you can catch up on, you know, Jessica Jones. You can finish up Luke Cage or whatever. And I'm off work on every Thursday. We work four days a week. And I came out of the garage after doing something. I come in and she has like days of our lives on. And she looks at me like she's like a, a recovering alcoholic who's taking a sip. And she's like, I'm sorry. I, I got back into <laughs> my soap operas now that I have a TV in here and I haven't watched anything else. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> oh, it was amazing. Um, <sighs> the, the one that my wife does, like, she never misses a season of is all those renditions of The Bachelor, Bachelorette. Like oh, I've never bachelor seen that. pad, like you know, all the different, and so it's on like season twenty six now or something crazy like wow. that. You know, I mean, it's been going for such a damn long time. Oh my god, yeah, I've never got into those things. That's wow, twenty. That's a long time ago. Yeah, I remember when that stuff even came out. Oh my god. Yeah, but, she has incredible patience with me because I don't watch it all that often with her. But when I do, I'll like sit off to the side and mock it <laughs> <laughs> just to try and make her laugh, you know, and sometimes I succeed. Other times I can tell, okay, I'm going too far. I better leave the room. Oh, <laughs> <You know>? Yeah. <laughs> We've been married 11 years, so I'm getting pretty used to <laughs> reading that look, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I've been married uh, 20 years, so I kind of like to push oh, that. Wow, man. Congrats. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah, I like to push that envelope a little bit just for fun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Got to keep it fresh. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> oh, man. I've, I've always had that kind of fucked up sense of humor, though, where, like, oh, I take a lot of pleasure in in making fun of music. And I don't know, sometimes I definitely take that too far. I remember at work one day I took it too far making fun of Pearl Jam, and I could tell I made a guy really mad. But I was going off about how it seems like with every successive album, Pearl Jam has lost more and more of the intensity that was really great in their first album, which isn't surprising, you know? I mean, weren't they basically teenagers in a garage making that first one, you know, and now they're probably all, you know, fairly well off. And I had another guy tell me, too, that I should, shouldn't go through listening to music without an expect, or without having the expectation that a band is going to evolve. And it's oh. like, whatever, man, Raging Machine's first album and their last album were both awesome. Yeah, yeah, but there's so many bands out there that are really great bands that, I mean, I guess they kind of evolve, but they never lose the, the spirit of their band, of, you know, the spirit and the passion, they don't lose it. And then the ones that they do, it seems like they drop it and they just are not the same band. Yeah, yeah, I mean, um, oh, I don't remember where I heard it from. But somebody was somebody was doing an interview with ACDC, and they accused him of making like the same album basically fifteen times in a row. And like the drummer, somebody was like, "Oh, that's bullshit. We've made that album sixteen times in a row." <laughs> so you know, I mean, they had a good humor, but I mean, that's like the perfect example. You know, you take almost any ACDC song, and they they kind of fit a pattern. They're they're all really similar. Yeah. Yeah. They, uh, yeah, I guess they really are now that I think about it. Huh. <laughs> well, um, you know, with with the kind of the geek-centric things that you do, and I love that word. 
I stole it from one of your photo albums. <laughs> yeah, I just came up with that for my photo album. I was like, I need a photo album for all the stuff that I do that's centric around geek stuff. And I was like, oh, geek centric. That's awesome. I sound really smart. And I put that on. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> it perfectly describes it. Because, yeah, you go in and look at some of that stuff. And it's like, yeah, this is all very geek centric. That's perfect. Yeah, um, yeah. So what got you into doing that sort of stuff? You know, making, you know, making basically all these, I'd call them art. Because, I mean, damn, they look great. Yeah, well, thanks. Some of the stuff, it took took a lot of heart. Like, everything I made in there, it it came out of just having an idea, having something I had to put it down somewhere in some sort of medium. Um, But it started off mostly with woodworking. I took woodworking in high school for my freshman year. It's just kind of an elective class. And I ended up taking it my freshman, sophomore, two periods of it for junior and two periods of it in my senior year. And after that, I just started collecting woodworking tools and would just start making whatever it is I needed. I would just start making it. And it was... Without a doubt, it was god awful at first, but it really got it really evolved into some a lot better, higher quality furniture or accessories, excuse me, or just anything out of wood that I really wanted to make. And it got me really crafty. Um, I've always been crafty, I've always drawn in high school. I took, uh, I don't want to say I went to college for it because in college, all I really took was bowling and art, <laughs> which. Um, yeah, so I, it really evolved into, um, into working with, with wood and materials like that. And then my first real job, I think I got when I was 21, I worked at a night warehouse for, I think I was on nights for probably eight years, which gave me a lot of free time to either be a tweaker or tweak with stuff. So I ended up making, just started making stuff. The first thing I think I made that wasn't made out of wood, I made a, um, I bought the Star Wars Visual Dictionary for the original trilogy movies and just started flipping through that and I saw a Stormtrooper blaster and I thought, oh my God, I, I want to make a Stormtrooper blaster. And I ended up making one like almost, I, almost perfectly um, to the one that was in the book and which led me into buying a Stormtrooper costume or armor. Stormtrooper armor, because it's plastic. It takes a hit. Um, I ended up joining the 501st, and when I joined the 501st, they were really impressed with the gun that I made, and it was certified to be whatever it is used in the 501st, because they only take movie-quality replica items in their group. So I was like, wow, if I can do this, maybe I can make some other stuff. And it led to uh, some furniture, mostly. Um out of wood, MDF, uh, fiberglass, and it, uh, I think it was, uh, have you ever read the comic book, Old, Old Man Logan? No, and you know, I had that one on my Christmas list, and inexplicably, Amazon was sold out of it. Oh my god. And so I haven't read it yet, It's it's still on my list. And uh, yeah, and thanks to Jordan from the Supercast, that list gets bigger every day. <laughs> I think he's texting me a new book I got to read every day. And he's really good at describing them in an awesome way. I'm like, all right, another one for the list. 
I don't know. Between Jordan and the guys from League of Geeks, they're going to make me bankrupt. <laughs> uh, yeah. I know. They all do such a good job of like, you know, describing this stuff in a way where it's like, oh, shit, I really want that. I know. And I love it. I've bought, I don't know how many toys. I haven't bought toys in years. And I got tons of toys in the last year, year and a half. And I unboxed all my old toys and put them up. But yeah, in that comic book, The Old Man Logan. Excuse me, my voice is broken. I'm going through puberty right now. <laughs> yeah, we should probably mention that you're kind of getting over a cold right now. Yeah, um, it's uh, bronchitis and walking pneumonia. So I'm Ugh. doing a lot. I'm doing a lot. <coughs> Excuse me. Better now. Whew. But yeah, at the end of Old Man Logan, I'm not going to give spoilers away, but like the red skulls in it. And he has this trophy wall of like all the heroes he's killed, all the villains. He's got like Iron Man's helmet and the Silver Surfer's surfboard. He's got like just a badass trophy room of everything that he's taken from people. And I thought, wow, you know what? I want a trophy room of superhero stuff. I want oh, to be able to. Yeah. I like, I want to have that stuff that like no one would have. So I don't want to have just, you know, a Captain America shield on the wall or some, you know, mainstream something. So I, I think the first thing I made was Nova's helmet um, from the, from the Marvel series, Nova. Mm-hmm. I made that. I made some Halo helmets. And it just blew up from there. I went to... Uh, what really sucked me in is I ended up going to a Halloween costume or a party with my younger brother who's like eight years younger than me. And it's all his high school friends. And they took it real serious. One dude had like a spandex Nightwing costume. And I, we had some beers. We kind of talked to me and that guy. And then I ran into him at a comic convention. And his whole family was dressed up in costumes. And it was so Whoa. awesome. That's oh, cool. yeah. Yeah, it was amazing. His wife was like Huntress. And he has like little tiny kids. Like they were, I think the youngest one was three. And it's a cute little costume. And he, you know, we became Facebook friends and... You know, he saw some stuff I made. He asked me to make a couple of things to help him. And I did. And he really liked it. And invited me to some uh, costume group in our local, some local costume group. So I joined them. And I looked at these guys making stuff. And I joined some other Facebook groups. And I was like, you know what? I might never wear this stuff. But I really want to make it. I really want to put it on the wall. So I started making costume stuff. I made prop stuff like video game items in video games and put them on the shelf and it's like uh, it sucked me in but i i got i have add and i got really i got really really interested in it and it completely engulfed me so like i don't even do a lot of woodwork anymore except i did some this weekend but it's like whatever pops up it's like oh i want to make that what can i make it out of where can i put it and it's oh man it's it's really awesome, but it's like really bad because I've made stuff just to make it and I don't even want it and I just give it away. <laughs> I'm like, I just got to do it. I got to make it. So It's good to have a hobby. You know, it's good to have something that keeps you busy and that you can also be passionate about and take pride in. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I, that's, that's important. Yeah. I mean, there's so many people do so many different things and I don't know. It's like, it's, there's, the just generation, the generations right now, nobody makes anything, and it feels like it's like a dying art. But it's like, man, I really love it. I really like to do it. I'm trying to get my kids into it, 
just to say, hey, look, get skilled with your hands. And that's another skill you can use for anything. I mean. Yeah, damn right. Yeah. They don't, though. though. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's worth a try. Yeah. See, my, uh, I, uh, my, I have a two-stall garage, and the back 12 foot of it is all climbing wall. So that's, you know, the, that'd be three of the walls and then the, the roof. It's like a basically like a wooden cave back there. All the holds are module, and or modular, and um, I got oh probably close to ten ten to twelve mattresses spread all on the ground in there, so that you know even if you're falling up on the roof and you got your hands and your feet up there, you can just let go and just drop on your back and you're not going to get hurt. <laughs> it's like landing on a cloud and you got three three mattresses all stacked up, you know. <laughs> and yeah. uh, my boys will go out there and they'll talk a big game like they're going to climb and then you know it's like eh, they'll do a little bit they'll climb up and touch the ceiling a, a handful of times which isn't too too rough because it it's just an eight foot standard ceiling but you know most of the panels are hanging at, at an angle so you really got to use your core and whatnot to when you're when you're climbing in there but they spend the majority of the time just bouncing around on the mattresses but <laughs> you know it's I, I want, I'd love it if they got into climbing because it'd be so cool. I'd be able to take them out in the woods and stuff on the weekend. And, yeah. And also, you know, I mean, then they're going to be fit and, you know, climbing is one of those activities to where it, it'll teach you a lot of self-confidence to put yourself in scary situations and then learn to have that mental clarity to work through it and stuff. But so far they'll talk a big game about wanting to go out and, you know, I'll get everything set up and they'll maybe each do one climb and then be like, do you want to go again? They're like, uh-uh. <laughs> it's like, all right. You know, and, it, and if if it is something that I want them to to participate someday in the future, I know that I, I can't ever pressure them into doing it. Because if it becomes something that's not fun for them, but they just see it as important to dad, you know, I mean, that's like an after-school special or something just waiting to happen. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And so I just kind of show it to them and be like, you know, it'd be great if you learned to do this, but it's cool if you don't want to also. You know, yeah, I've tr- yeah, I've got like twelve boxes of comic books behind in my game room, and like anything pop culture related pops up, I'm like, hey, I got a comic book that's got this stuff in it. You guys want to check it out? And my son's like, no, 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 thanks, Dad. I'm like, oh, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> but uh, you know what though? I wasn't his age when I got into comic books, so I'm just like I'm holding on hope. He's like. I don't know. He's he's my mirror image because at my age, when I was him, he's doing the same stuff I did, and it's it's fun. It's a lot of fun. He's doing a lot of models now, which is something that I can do with him because it's doing it with your hands, and it's oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it's something that I'm really into, and he's really getting into it. So it's like, oh, this is a skill that you know, not only am I loving it and you're loving it, but it's something I can help you with, or we can do together, and it's a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. Um, I, I bought my boys, uh, they've probably each got about a dozen different comic books and I've got them bagged and boarded for them. And, uh, they've, they've flipped through them and looked at all the pictures, but they've yet to read them. <laughs> and, and I'm like, well, you know, they still got them. Maybe someday they'll pick it up and, you know, they can go through all the ones that I got and stuff also. And yeah, I, I just try not to ever force anything on them. You know, except for, you know, good behavior. <laughs> but with two boys, you know, that's something that you're not always going to get because, man, they get, they get into some fights. But <laughs> Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> They're good kids though. <laughs> yeah, I tried to get I not I can't say I tried to get my oldest daughter into comic books, but we used to watch Did you ever hear that show Who Wants to Be a Superhero? Uh uh-uh. uh. It's like it was a reality TV show where it was hosted by Stan Lee. So it's like right there I can kind of get my kids into it. And my youngest daughter and I watched or my oldest daughter, we watched this and this was like five years ago or so. And it's like people would make themselves their own superhero costumes. They would give them their own persona, what their powers were. And they went on this reality show when they were picked. And they had to go through real life scenarios as them being a superhero to prove that they were the most heroic. Like they would come out and be like some dude on the side of the streets just sitting there. And how many of these superheroes walked by and asked him if he needed a hand, helped him or helped, you know, someone carry something that was heavy and it's just like real life scenario stuff and it was it was chintzy i mean it was oh man it was so dorky but we watched it she loved it <laughs> and it introduced her to like it was a show we could we we all picked a hero and we were like this is the person i want to win and it, it was we went through the whole series the whole season like that and she was like who's stan lee so i'm like oh my god this is who stan lee is and I explained to her and everything. So she's like, she really likes Stan Lee. And then like the very first comic book convention we ever went to, I was like, you know, we're this is the first one we're going together since like 20 years ago before it was Comic-Con. I'm like, let's go. And we're going to get autographs. So I was like, who do you want to get an autograph with? Mommy's going to get one with Chris Hemsworth. I'm going to go with Stan Lee. So do you want to go with one of us? And she was like, oh, yeah, I want to go with you. I'm like, you want to take a picture with Stan Lee and not Chris Hemsworth? <laughs> and she's like, well, yeah, because Dad Stan Lee created Thor. Chris yes. Hems- she's like, Chris Hemsworth just pretends to play him. Did, did you was- have a tear roll out of your eye when that happened? I did. I was so happy. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my Excellent. God. So we went and it's like, oh, I swear, like this last year, she's looking up at the pictures because we have pictures of me and her with Stan Lee. And he signed a Thor hammer that I made just for the event. And I made a duplicate, like two exact replicas of each other. My wife has a picture of her with Chris Hemsworth and my other two kids. And he signed that one. And this poor girl, she's 16 years old now. She's looking at it going, I should have got a picture with Chris Hemsworth. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> whatever. Whatever. <laughs> So yeah, it's too late now. You already made the right choice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I paid her back a little bit for her birthday. I got her a picture with Norman Reedus. So, oh, oh nice. Yeah, but I owned that kid for a good two years before she hit puberty. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I'm not looking forward to my boys going through adolescence. Oh, uh, no. Just having two teenage boys in the house is going to be horrific. <laughs> yeah this man my oldest one it's great but the youngest one it's gonna be oh my god i don't know what i'm gonna do but oh yeah oh my youngest my youngest kid is in this is really funny because they just had their conferences this week <laughs> and um my wife texted me my wife texted and said uh liam's teachers say that he's perfectly well behaved and he always listens and uh, they just love him in class because, you know, basically go, getting after saying that he listens to instructions really well and all that. And she's like, oh, if they only knew. And 
Because, <laughs> yeah, he, he's like that at school. He's like that at grandma and grandpa's. He's like that at daycare. But then for me and my wife, he's evil. He's evil. <laughs> he'll do things that are just so naughty, and he'll look us right in the eye and smile while he does it. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, and he fucks with his big brother. And it is his big brother. I mean, they're they're like two and a half years apart. But my older kid is like a full head taller than everybody else in his class. My youngest is a lot smaller than everybody else. But he's just a ball of fury. And he just beats the shit out of his older brother. And, you know, as a parent, it's 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 rough to watch your one kid get beat up by your other kid and not give not give the one losing tips <laughs> <laughs> which one take i got to ask which one takes after which parent oh okay well my youngest <laughs> i think he got the full measure of both my stubbornness and my wife's stubbornness which is like a scary amount oh my god <laughs> so i think that's where he gets the intense willpower does we've yet to find like a suitable punishment like this kid takes punishments like a champ oh it's like god. you're like you know because w- w- when i was younger and it didn't happen all that often but if i fucked up really bad like i got my ass whooped with like my dad's leather belt it didn't happen all that often, but it happened enough to where it was like, okay, I don't want that shit to happen ever again. And so for the most part, I straightened up and I don't want to go that step with my kid. And so the, you know, I go with the new age method, which is give him a timeout. And if this kid takes timeouts like it's nothing. <laughs> so, but you know, just consistency. And I think, I think we'll wear him down. <laughs> oh I refuse to lose a battle of wills to a six-year-old. <laughs> man yeah my kids my oldest one she's i want to say she has like she's a lot like me as far as obedience and kind of her mouth she's she's a little witty she's she's a sarcastic smart ass um but she's got my wife's smarts where she's smart the way my wife is not necessarily the way i am because we're, we're both very different and my son he is like almost a mirror image of me and it's it's so great for me to be able to relate to him. But it's like, my wife has, a, she's kind of a spitfire too. And my youngest one has my sarcasm and smart, kind of smart ass rhetoric. But she has my wife's fury and, and fire in her. So it's like, oh, you don't want to mess with that kid because she will burn you so cold. <laughs> it's like, oh man, it, it's so bad. But I don't. I do not want to deal with that kid as a teenager. That's for sure. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh. oh yeah. Time will have to tell it out. But yeah, yeah. You and I, we might both be in for some storms. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> She's only eleven. I don't know. Oh, God help us. <laughs> yeah yeah so you you're a lot closer to it than i am <laughs> this is my little guy's only six he's, he's just a kindergartner yet but <laughs> oh man <sighs> oh that's funny um when you mentioned stan lee earlier and having a tv show it made me think do you remember when there was that stan lee's superhumans show oh yeah i watched some of that yeah, yeah. and that was always I don't know. I never knew what to believe of that show because, you know, I'm naturally skeptical about so many things. But, yeah, they had some pretty weird people on there. It's like yeah. one dude was like bending frying pans in half with his bare hands and shit. And 
but what was to... funny is then I, I caught a rerun of it on years later after I got into climbing and they had like like the human monkey man or something like that on there, which was like some dude from India that chances are you've probably seen like the viral video of this guy. And I think he's wearing like some yellow spandex type shit. And he's like climbing like this like stone wall in like, like the wall of like a fort or like a castle or something like that. And he's like doing all this crazy shit where he like gets, he's like running and jumping for holds and stuff like that. And he catches one and like puts himself upside down to then reach up to grab the next hold, you know, something like that. It's really impressive when you see it. And especially if you don't know anything about climbing, but you know, if, it, if you actually know something about climbing, you look at it and you're like, Oh, okay. That's just all kind of just trick stuff that he's doing just to kind of look cool. But then what was funny is he ended up being on the Stanley's superhuman show. And by this point I'd been watching lots of videos and DVDs and stuff of like actual pro climbers doing stuff. And then the way that they shot this, I'm like, they're not showing you really what he's climbing. They're just showing lots of like close-ups of his hands, grabbing things and shit like that and interspersing <laughs> it in and lots of cut work and stuff. And then there was one moment where it flashed and actually showed a far off view of what this guy was climbing. And I actually paused it. And then, you know, did like the frame at a time forward until I got to it. And this guy's climbing something that is basically just like a big stone hill. (laughs) (laughs) It's not even dead straight up and down, let alone like overhanging, which is like generally like a really more difficult taxing form of climbing. It's like it's in climbing. It's called a slab where it's gently rolling forward and you can just kind of lean forward and put your hands on it also and kind of go up like, you know, like crawl your way up it. And and I like stood up and pointed at the TV and like yelled to my wife in the next room like I knew this show was bullshit. <laughs> <coughs> I, oh they got this God. guy climbing a fucking hill and they're <sighs> saying he's a superhuman. What else have they lied to me about? <laughs> I called shenanigans. <laughs> yeah, that's not to take away from Stan. That guy's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that guy loves money too. <laughs> Oh yeah. Oh well, fuck, why not, man? You know, <laughs> if you can be that <laughs> enlightened and get by living in present day America and, you know, not at least have enough of a concern about money to just want to live a relatively stress-free life cuz man, I don't know about you, but I feel like if there there'd just be a certain limit of money to hit like could you imagine what it would be like to actually keep the majority of your paycheck and not just have the like i know the lion's share of my paychecks go to like freaking mortgage car payments that sort of shit i just couldn't imagine being able to actually keep my paycheck i know god yeah <laughs> yeah i look at it and it's like oh my god but no a lot of like we have a section of our paycheck that's it's taxed as a bonus because it's like a, a you get paid per i drive a forklift so we get paid per pallet if we meet a certain quota and they tax the crap out of that portion like it's like 50 percent. it's like come yeah. on i just want a little bit more money <laughs> you know if if they made me king for a day the one thing that i would change in the tax code and it would be that any hours that are worked over 40 are not taxable because if you're working over 40 hours in a job then that means you're freaking hustling 
And why are you going to be penalized? Because I don't know about you, but there's a sweet spot, it seems like, with the amount of overtime that you can get on a check to where it's going to be beneficial and then to where it's like, ooh, you look at your your statement on your check and you're like, oh, look at how hard Uncle Sam's fucking me this week. Oh, yeah. I only because we can go in on overtime days once it gets a little busier and it's like, ah, it depends on how many hours of work I, I work during the regular week that yeah, if I work exactly. that. If I go in for five hours on my day off just to work a few hours, I get paid less. I'll get it in tax returns, but it's like, I don't care about that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. But, I mean, what's money once a year when, you know, I mean, if if it's tough week to week, it's like, give me that money now. Quit quit taking so much of my freaking check especially if it's something that i worked overtime on for you to go out and spend it on something fucking ridiculous <laughs> you know? yeah it's, it's stupid it's like giving money to a child and watching them go just blow it on something ridiculous yeah i oh man not to drag us into <laughs> bitching about the government and taxes <laughs> no. well we went we went to h and r block and did our taxes and they give you like a debit card that they could put your tax return on so i was like yeah just put it on there dude i forgot that i spent that on the flooring and stuff in my new house and so i was like looking for it like two months ago i was like where's that h&r block card i want to go buy something and i was like it's gone i was like Ugh. oh you know what i'm looking around it's like at least this year i can <laughs> i can say what i spent it on because normally i wouldn't be able to <laughs> yeah there is that if like you used it on a project versus just pissing it away <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. I don't well, um man what was it? I don't know, not that long ago. No, it might have been a couple of years ago now. We had a tree fall on our house. And so we got like the insurance covered so much of it, but then there was actually a little bit left over. And so it was kinda nice there for a little while not being so worried about money <laughs> and yeah. then you know different things come up like oh i gotta fix the car i gotta do this gotta do that and then all of a sudden the you know it just keeps chipping away at that buffer and then it's like you know <laughs> <laughs> it's just the reality of being an adult <laughs> especially if you're a homeowner you know because oh. that's going to give you that many extra you know um just different expenses that when those sorts of things come up, it makes me jealous of my friends that rent. It's like, yeah. Oh. It's like, you're never going to have to pay for, for shingles. You're never going to have to pay for a new water heater. <laughs> you know, that sort of shit. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Trust me. I bought, when we bought our house, I think it was like four or five years ago that we bought a foreclosure. And when we got it, it was like huge square footage. It's a nice house in a nice neighborhood. But it was a foreclosure, so the nickel and dime stuff that we have to replace and pay for that I wasn't used to having to pay for when I rented. I was like, oh, my God, this is starting to kill me. Maybe I should have just rented. Oh, yeah. And then, like, I, I tend to learn things by mistake. You know, I'll, I'll fuck something up, and then I'll be like, oh, that was painful. Don't, don't do it like that again. And... I've done that with a couple different things with being a homeowner. One of them was I have an electric um, hot water heater. And one day my hot water just wasn't working. So I called the company that put it in because it hadn't been that long since it had been installed. And they sent a tech out to look at it. And they said that, well, first off, the guy just left a note on an envelope 
<laughs> like he just must have found an envelope in his van. And he just scribbled a note that said, replaced the heating elements should be good to go. I'm like, okay. And didn't leave me an invoice or anything like that. And then I get an invoice in the mail and it's like over $200. And I'm like, 200 bucks. I'm like, that's, that's like half the price of a new water heater. And so I get on Google to look up how much those heating elements cost. They're $12. Oh my God. They're $12. And then I got on YouTube and I saw that I could have changed it myself <laughs> in, in like a half hour's worth of work. And so oh, that was just one of those lessons of being a homeowner. It's like, and so now I use YouTube for freaking everything. If something goes wrong and there's a possibility I can fix it, I'm going to get on YouTube. I'm going to type in a description of the problem and, you know, half the time I'm able to fix it myself. And I mean, I've had that damn, we have, um, apparently we got pretty hard water here because I've had the, the hot water heater scaled up a couple other times on me and I was glad I was able to change those myself because 200 bucks every time. Oh my God. You know, that happens a couple few times and I might as well just buy a new water heater every time. But yeah. if I were really smart, I'd get a water softener, but <laughs> I haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> yeah, I do that. I do the same thing. And I, at first when I started doing like, I get on YouTube and I'd use an Amazon, I'd be buying and replacing parts on my car that I didn't even know I even had. And I was doing that. I was fixing my dryer. I fixed my dish or uh, my refrigerator and like my wife's friends would come over and I'm like, she'd be like, oh yeah, my husband fixed this and that. And I'm like looking big and tall and smart. And I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, I fixed that. I fixed everything that goes wrong. And I thought I was amping myself up, making myself look big. But it's like, don't do that in front of a bunch of single women because they're going to want you to come over and fix all of their shit. And it's like, oh, fuck. I should not have said nothing. Yeah. Like, oh, no, no, honey. I just told you I did that stuff. But I saw you. You didn't see me. <laughs> Try and Jedi mind trick him and then just moonwalk out of the room. Yeah. Oh, her friend asked me, she's like, can you come check out my air conditioner? It's not working. And I'm like, I guess I can. I went over there and I took all kinds of crap apart, put it back together. When I left, it wasn't working. And I'm like, yeah, I got no idea. I'm lost. And like, I come home and I told my wife, I'm like, I'm humiliated. I did everything I could do. And she's like, oh, no, it's working fine. She just called me. I'm like, well, I don't know what the hell I did. Because <laughs> it wasn't me. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. I've always been pretty handy with my hands, though. I. That's funny that you said you had to fix your dryer. I had to fix mine, too. The, the heating element went out. Of it. Yeah. So heating yeah. element, and hot water heater, heating element, and dryer. But um, that was, yeah, it started making a weird noise one day. And so then I... I Finally, I'm like, all right, fuck this. And I take it apart and pull the drum out of it and everything. And sure enough, the the heating element, which basically just looks like a big stretched out slinky that then went through some like kind of ceramic connectors. So it was mostly in a circle behind the dryer. Just needed changed $5 part from Amazon later and boom, had a dryer working again. Yeah. Did you it find money? pretty mon cool. Did you find money in there? No, no. I didn't oh. Know. I found I think I think I found three dollars when I did mine, so I was like, yeah. "Oh, nice! <laughs> like, where did these? Where did this money even come from?" Yeah, that would have almost paid for my new heating element. That'd have been kind of ironic <laughs> if I had pulled the dryer apart and the money for the part was laying. There. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, but then speaking of that dryer, the so I got to be proud of fixing that for not quite a year. 
And uh, this would have been just two or three weeks ago. My wife and I are sitting and we're having supper. And our wash, we got a stacked unit washer and dryer. And it's over in the corner of our our kitchen, like kind of right by our back door. And we're sitting there and all of a sudden my wife goes, what is that weird noise? And my wife has like supersonic hearing. She hears <laughs> things that I just, I, that I don't hear in a million years. <laughs> and uh, she goes over and opens the dryer door and she goes, oh my God, it's on fire. And I'm like, it took me, and I'm sitting there like eating lasagna and I'm like, eh, it's on fire. And I'm like, what fire? So I drop my fork and go running over there. And I look and sure enough, like the whole back of the dryer, like just on the inside of it, there's like flames coming out of it. And so like real quick, just start grabbing clothes and like pulling them out and dropping them on the floor. And like the last thing I had left in my hand was like a long sock. And so I'm using the sock to beat the flames in the back of the dryer. And, uh, <laughs> And so I think what happened, like she'd been doing laundry all day. So that was like the third or fourth load in a row in there. And so I think that uh, some lint got trapped in the back and then, you know, it overheated or whatever, but it was concerning to me that the auto shut off didn't work on it. So I was like, yeah, yep. I'm unhooking this thing. And I drug it right out the back door and dropped it in the backyard. And, uh, you know, another homeowner expense, there was 400 bucks, 450 bucks down to Sears. Oh my god! <laughs> Which worked out that I found one at Sears, you know, because uh, I don't know. I think they, aren't they going out of business or something like that? That was what somebody told me why I got a good deal on it. But it was like a nine hundred dollar dryer that I was able to get for fifty percent off. Oh my god! Yeah, cha-ching. Awesome. <laughs> I mean, I would have rather not spent that four hundred and fifty dollars on a dryer, but yeah, uh, yeah. At least you know, at least I got to get something nice. It is nicer than the one I replaced. Yeah, I think when I fixed mine, I think it lasted, uh, well, I think a washing machine went out. And that's, it was at the time, because like I said, I bought a foreclosure. My wife says, you know, as we're fixing rooms up, we're going to fix a room up at a time. And we have this little, tiny little laundry room. And she's like, we're fixing the laundry room. So I had to freaking tile, texture, paint the walls, and got everything done. She goes, oh, by the way, we're buying the stackable washer and dryer. And I was like, oh my God, but the dryer still works. Let's use the dryer until it's dead. She's like, we have to have a matching set. <laughs> Fuck. I guess that's good. I mean, I guess that's good. I can't have a washer that's, you know, one of the stackable ones, but I haven't got the dryer yet because my other dryer still works. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Uh, I've had to do, well, it was, I guess you'd kind of call it remodeling, but it was more in, in 2008, you remember we had all those really bad floods in the Midwest. I don't know if you remember he's seen oh, yeah. or anything. Yeah. Well, basically my whole town was flooded and we, we, had, there was like a mandatory evacuation. We had to leave and the river actually came up high enough. And I I was in denial all the way up to it. And what was funny is I kept telling people and they would like talk to me like, are you worried about this? I'm like, no. I'm like, like if, if water were to get up into my house, the entire town would have to be flooded. <laughs> and that is exactly what the fuck happened. <laughs> oh my God. And like, so when I came in, when, so when, when we were allowed back in, which was really surreal too, because we had to approach town, like the roads leading in to my town from from the north and then from from cedar rapids which is to the east you get across this river well the river had gone high enough to where it washed out the road 
on either side of the bridge. So we had to take this huge detour down south and then come up through this different highway to come to town. And before you could even see my town in the distance, there was a National Guard checkpoint with two Humvees parked across the road and like armed National Guard there checking IDs. And then they had a list and then they were only letting people in that were on the list that you had a house in this town. And then you could get in this like bus and, you know, like a little short bus. And then they would ride, drive you into town and then pretty much just drop you off at the end of your street. And it was weird because the only people that were in my town were, there was Humvees patrolling around, there was cops patrolling around. And then there was like a Red Cross food truck that had a very distinctive siren that would, you know, they'd go around town playing. It'd be like a, like an ice cream truck. Only they'd hand out, you know, like a little styrofoam clamshell with, with uh, food in it. And uh, so we go into our house and just looking at the watermark on the back of my sofa, it was about 18 inches on my main floor. And so, you know, I don't know if you've ever had water damage, but I mean, that basically means all that drywall, it's, it's ruined. All that insulation behind it, it's ruined. You know, all your carpet, it's, you got to pull it out. And so basically the lower four feet of my house was all replaced in 2008. And I did all of it myself with the exception of like the electrical. Oh my God. Yeah. So I learned a lot in that project. I learned how to do flooring. I learned how to do like a faux tile floor. (laughs) I learned a little bit of plumbing. Plumbing is one of those things I still hate doing. (laughs) Yeah. I don't like touching the plumbing. (laughs) it's there's just a certain like ickiness factor to it whereas you know like i don't like doing electricity because there's like a certain (laughs) potential death factor to it with electricity (laughs) (laughs) but uh (laughs) i'm in that same boat but man it's there you know there are times where it's really handy you know, to, to be able to look at things and, and know how to use, you know, it's handy to be able to use your hands. <laughs> oh yeah, it is. And, that uh, is. Yeah. That's fun stuff. <laughs> oh, man. Um, uh, you had, you had mentioned that, that those Thor's hammer, that Thor's hammer you had made earlier. And man, that is like one of the coolest things. Oh, that's not even the first one that I made. I ended up selling the first one for materials. Thank you, baby. Okay. Can't get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> She's not even paying attention. No, no I'm not. Get a- oh. oh my god. <sighs> She's she's just like me, so I know how to talk to her. Oh my god. No, the first one I made was it's a little bit bigger than those, and it's like. Uh, it was like it was like the weapon of a god. It was like if I was eight feet tall, I would hold it. And I thought it was so awesome, and it's like it was made. You could use it as home defense the way it was made too. And I ended up selling that thing off. But man, I gotta make a Thunderstrike and uh, Mace. I don't know if you know who Thunderstrike is. He was like uh-uh. a Thor lack. He's 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 basically like just a Thor sidekick, dude. He was Thor during the whole Infinity Gauntlet storyline that the movies are going off of right now. Oh, okay. So, so in the comic books, Thor wasn't even Thor leading up to like what's leading off in the movies. 
and I liked that character a lot. And I made a, a, a hammer like that and I had sold that on eBay and I made another one and sold it on eBay. And I'm like, I really want another one. So I want to make another one. And, uh, one of the guys in the PCL army group, Josh Ryan, he wants one too. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to make another of what I really want to make. But awesome. I don't know. I don't know where I'm going to put it. <laughs> Your trophy room's getting too full. It, it is too full. I have the way our room is. It's like, uh, there's no wall going into the room that I have as my game room. And then there's one solid wall where I have like my entertainment center and TVs are up there for me and my son to play games. And I have some shelves. The other wall is just a giant window. So I can look at my fence if I want to, I guess. And then the third, the fourth wall behind us, it opens up into the next room. So I don't have, I have no room to, well, the way I see it is I have no room to hang the stuff I want to hang. And the way my wife sees it is there's no walls to hide the stuff I have hanging in there when I have people come over. So <laughs> I, guess, I guess it's, you know, apples and oranges. She doesn't want people to see the things, like the awesome looking things that you made with your own two hands. <laughs> I know. It's the first thing, like the first thing people see, they come in, they look and it's like my office and then it's like my dining area. And there's a wall that's open right into the gaming area. So it's like, oh my God, what are you guys doing? It's like, "Mm, making cool shit. That's what we're doing. Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) Man. Yeah, my house is not, my house is not decorated conventionally. My wife's probably not proud of any of it because it's all me and I did it all. But yeah, It's it's very centric in my house. Anything that I made, it's up there, and people get to see it, and they're like, "You're a freaking dork." I'm like, "Yep, <laughs> dork." And I know proud. it. I know it. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't hide mine at all. I wear it right on my sleeve. Um, oh, I I do. <laughs> uh, one of the things with with climbing is um, whether it's like a a climbing route that's something you'd go up and you know use like a rope for safety. Or like a boulder problem where it'd be like something really small that you'd have pads on the ground. They they all have names. And sometimes it's, you know, whoever climbed it first that names it. Other times it's, you know, whoever, you know, you know, hung on the rope and put all the bolts in the wall and stuff. They'll get to name it or whatever. And uh, the last ones that I did on public property, I had there at the, a park called Pictured Rocks. And you can actually look these routes up on Pictured Rocks. Uh, section on uh, mountainproject.com it's like an online route database but if you go to pictured rocks and then the chicago wall there's two routes side by side the one is son of jarell and then the one right next to it is neil before zod oh that is (laughs) (laughs) totally wearing my geek on my sleeve with that one (laughs) that's awesome yeah i love that I was proud of those. And what's cool too is on Son of Jarrell, which, you know, Son of Jarrell, that's just a fancy way of saying Superman. There's like a move on it where you've got to like leap, kind of. Like you don't have to do like all points off, like dino type jump, but it's like a big throw. And um, when one of the days that my friends were out there climbing it, I had been uh, cleaning the route right next to it. So I was like hanging on rappel with like a crowbar. And I was popping off some of the loose stuff to where, you know, if, if you got someone climbing it, um, you know, if they were to pull off a rock or something like that, it's going to fall and potentially either hit their belayer on the ground or somebody else. And so it's a good idea to clean the routes as aggressively as possible 
just to keep people safe in the future. Because, you know, regardless, through um, freeze-thaw cycles, you know, that stone's going to come off eventually someday just due to gravity. And so, you know, why not give it a helping hand if there's going to be people in that area? That's kind of the way that we look at it. And so I was hanging there, and then uh, my, my friend Nate started climbing up Son of Jarrell. And so I pulled my phone out of my pocket and just hung there right next to him on the steepest part of the route. And I got this excellent picture where he's like going up for the, what would be kind of like the Superman move on it. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. And so I was like, man, that route name works perfect for that. <laughs> man. But yeah, the route names can get really silly. Um, it, it's kind of fun. In that same park, um, uh, there's a, an area called Windy Point. And there's like three routes in a row or four, three or four routes in a row that have got really, really silly names. There's like um, fat chicks on pogo sticks and um, <laughs> monkey spank mayhem, lesbian knife fight and border town donkey show all in a row. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, climbers tend to be kind of fucking goofy. I mean, if you, if you go old enough with like route names, you'll see like, you know, like, like North Arette. You know, like real technical God. names like that and shit. And now it's like climbers are goofballs. And like, I know there's a boulder problem somewhere that's like daily dick dose. <laughs> shit, just fucked up shit like that. <laughs> you, you, you have totally tainted the whole sport for me because I looked at, <laughs> I listened to your podcast and I see your pictures on Facebook. I go, wow, this is a really highbrow sport. These are some intellectual people do a real, a real activity well you know some of them are i'm like no these are just other people with dirty uh, minds oh just very, like me very, yeah very dirty minds we're out in the woods where you know we don't really need to have a filter oh my god yeah um, we don't ha- i'm guess i would probably have that stuff around here but not i live in the central valley of california so it's not like I can find that stuff without knowing somebody who's into it. So <laughs> yeah. I, never, I wouldn't know. The closest I've come to climbing rock walls is climbing the fake rock walls that they put up at like uh, the putt putt golf, miniature golf, or small, you know, the small amusement areas. Mm-hmm. But that's all that we have around here. So I yeah. just assumed, wow, they're going to bring in this highbrow sport into this. <laughs> Into the putt-putt golf area. <laughs> oh, my uh, God. Oh, if I really sat and thought about it for a few minutes, I could probably give you like a dozen different highly inappropriate route names. There's some that are inappropriate enough that we don't even actually say the name. We just give the letters for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because there's this one that we just call FUPA. So F-U-P-A. And I remember when I first started, I was like, what does that stand for? And one of the guys kind of looks and then he looks back and he goes, fat upper pussy area. It's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I wish I wouldn't have asked. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> wow. Yeah. Oh, my God. Goofy shit. <laughs> but I don't know. In my mind is that climbing is important to take seriously on like the safety aspect. Yeah. But for everything else, like you're playing a made up game in the woods with your friends, like you, you, nobody's out there saving the world. And when you start to take it too seriously, like, like, have you ever been playing a video game? Yeah. 
and like you're doing the same part over and over and over again, you keep getting to that same hard part and you keep dying and you get to the point where you want to throw the controller through the window. Mm -hmm. So imagine instead just doing that with your thumbs, you're doing it with your whole body and you keep climbing this entire route perfectly. And then you get to this hard part, this crux section, and then you, you've fallen for like the 12th time in a row or something like that. And so like, Sometimes climbers will have a hissy fit and they call that a wobbler where someone's hanging on a rope and they're just screaming their nuts off. <laughs> and so, you know, it, moments like that, you got to remind yourself, hey, let's let's not take this too seriously. OK, because you just, you know, you just failed to stick the move on lesbian knife fight. <laughs> you know? It's like, come on, just calm down. You're climbing a piece of stone out in the woods. You know, you should just be happy that you're in this position to do this. <laughs> that stuff is so awesome though. Yeah. I it's, love it. It's a, it's a fun hobby. And, um, you know, uh, like one of the questions that I always get with it is people are like, so, so you're going to like climb your sit or, uh, you're going to climb like Mount Everest someday. It's like, no, <laughs> for me, no. I'm like, why not? I'm like, do you know how many ways there are to die on a mountain? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and more power to the people that want to do that. When I see the pictures of, you know, people up on those mountains and stuff, it looks breathtakingly beautiful, but oh, that's, that's just way too much exposure and way too much apparent danger for me. Whereas, you know, with what I'm doing with, with sport climbing, it just seems so, well, it is pretty contrived because somebody's gone in on rappel and actually installed concrete anchors with steel hangers to where, you know, it's going to take like 10,000 pounds of force to shear a bolt. And so even if I am, you know, like basically the way it works with climbing is you clip a bolt and then you climb past that up to the next bolt and then you clip that one. Well, if you fall before you make it to that next clip, let's say you're five feet above your last bolt. If you fall, you're going to fall 10 feet, right? Yeah. And then the ropes are dynamic so that you're, they got a little bit of stretch to them and they can stretch as much as 30%. So you're going to fall that 10 feet. You're going to fall twice the distance, basically that you were above your last piece of protection. So you'll fall twice the distance plus rope stretch. And then if you're heavy like me, cause I'm like one of the biggest guys in our group, I'm going to get a, what would be called a soft catch every time because when that rope comes tight, I'm going to pull the belayer up in the air. <laughs> so with me, I'm going to fall twice the distance plus rope stretch plus however far I pull my belayer off the ground before they come to a stop. <laughs> I remember the, the first big fall I ever took was like a 30-footer and it ended up being a 30-footer because I pulled my belayer all the way up to the first bolt that was like 15 feet off the ground. <laughs> like oh, I, pa man. I passed him on the way down <laughs> Oh my God! <laughs> when it was said and done, I was closer to the ground than my Belair was. And I was at the top of the route, 30 feet up and he was on the ground when the fall started. <laughs> and so from that point on, I was like, yeah, maybe don't let the 150 pound Japanese guy belay the big fat guy. <laughs> maybe bad things will happen. <laughs> oh my God. But yeah, that was it, like that was kind of a special fall too that I fell that far because like I was um I was trying to make a clip and so I was I had the stance right next to the bolt and like I didn't I was a beginner and I didn't have a proper stance and so I didn't have my feet correctly placed under me to like distribute my weight and so really more 
of my weight was on my left hand than it should have been. And like, I could just feel my left hand just starting to slip out of this hole, you know, cause if it's outside, you know, there's going to be mud and dirt and shit in the pockets. Yeah. You know, in the holds. Cause but in Iowa limestone, we got lots of pocketed limestone. And so if you get enough rain in the summertime, you know, limestone erodes really easily with rain. And so basically you can have like a system of like plumbing inside a wall and so water could be collecting on the hillside, you know, 50 feet up, even higher or whatever, and it's going to filter down through that rock and it might just end up seeping out of that one pocket that you're using as a hold. And so it might look dry from the outside and you put your hand in and it's like you're putting your fingers in a pudding cup. Oh. Yeah, especially if the first person up the route didn't take pity on you and hang there and pull a toothbrush out and clean all that mud out of the pocket mm-hmm. and then slap some chalk on it and get it nice and dry for you. <laughs> and so yeah and so i'm holding on to this hold and i'm just slowly slipping out of it and i'm failing to do this clip and in climbing if like the the protection's right close to your chest and you're trying to clip the rope into it your hand's going to be all close to you like a t-rex <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> yeah. and so and so we call that t-rex clipping <laughs> And so I'm like trying to just clip my rope. So I got like a little loop of rope in between my thumb and my forefingers. And I'm just trying to clip it into this carabiner. And at the same time, I'm I'm thinking like, I'm going to fall. I'm going to fall. I'm going to fall because my hand's like slipping out of this hole. And before I got that fucking rope clipped in, I fucking went. <laughs> and like, I was, I was trying to clip it low. So like, I was like, I can't, no, I wasn't that low because I was T-Rex clipping. It was right in front of me. So. I don't know. I had more rope out than I probably needed to make that clip. And so I fell like I was able to free fall for probably 15 feet or something like that before I, the rope even caught. Oh, and wow. then with me being close to two or so at the time I'd have probably been like around 250 pounds. So yeah, I outweighed my belayer by like probably a hundred pounds. And I was able to pull him all the way up to the first piece of protection <laughs> where basically like the belay device that the rope was going through actually hit the draw and that's what stopped him. And like, it just worked out that I had settled perfectly on the ground. Like, and I was laying on my back on the ground, staring up at the anchors 30 feet above me that I'd just been at. (laughs) And like, and like, all I could do was laugh. I just like laughed maniacally. And like, everyone else is like, are you okay? Are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. And I got up and like rested a little bit and then tied in again and went up and actually took the correct stance and made the clip. And like sent the route on my second go. (laughs) But then the best part is that the next weekend I went out to this other area. And so I was on a route that was probably like 60 feet tall and the exact same thing happened. I was at the top and I was T-Rex clipping and I was pumping out and it wasn't working. And I just had this like PTSD style flashback of falling because that night when I got home and I laid in bed and I actually thought about, man, if I'd had an extra foot to 18 inches of rope out I might have actually impacted the ground instead of just settling on it and so like once I was laying in bed I realized how close of a call that was and how close I came to really fucking myself up oh yeah and so it was sobering and so I you know I played it through a lot and I'm a deeply introspective person and so like I played it through my head a lot and by the time that next weekend came it wasn't something I was laughing maniacally about it was something that I was like oh my god that was way too freaking close to the edge And so I'm at the top of this route and it's happening again, but this is a 60 foot route. You know, even if I blow a clip at the top, I could have three arm loads of rope out and I'm not going to hit the ground. I might fall. If if I fall 30 feet on a 60 foot route, I'm still halfway to the ground, you know? 
And so I'm up at the top and I like freak out (laughs) thinking I'm going to (laughs) fall. And in my mind, I calmly said, I'm going to fall, take in some rope. (laughs) But apparently it came out, I'm going to (laughs) fall. And I didn't live that down for like, like six or seven months. Oh, I'd be man. I'd be on a route and like a friend would be on a route like next to me or something and they'd all I'd, we'd like make eye contact and all of a sudden they'd fuck around and like grab the wall really hard and like suck them their their body right up against it and they'd go I'm gonna fall and I'm like oh <laughs> fuck you <laughs> when is somebody else gonna do something embarrassing and they'll be on to the next thing <laughs> oh man <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. <sighs> My weird hobby. <laughs> yeah. We've got a ton of it out here. I just don't know anybody that does it. The only yeah. people I know is like hikers. But we, if we go hike and we go up and we look and it's like, oh my God, there's people climbing that freaking mountain. Because we have people, we have people dying every year on it from free climbing. And it's like, oh. it's like, oh my God, I can't imagine doing that. And it's like, I think I could do it because I'm, I'm not afraid of heights and I mm-hmm. love climbing those those rock walls that they have built up but it's like man i don't know if i have i don't think i have the commitment to get to the level to where i would be able to climb an actual mountain you know what i mean yeah yeah a a great starting point if anybody's interested in climbing is to try and find your local climbing gym and then they're totally geared to take people from zero experience to actually being ready to go outside and you know a lot of people who climb in a gym have zero interest in climbing outside and will probably never climb outside. And, but you can get, still get that same feeling. Like if you're, you know, if you're on a 30, 40 foot gym wall, when you're up at the top and you look down, like you'll have that moment of vertigo. You'll be like, holy shit. And then you look at how tiny the rope is and you're like, really, really, this is the thing that's going to hold me up here. And it's like, well, yeah, (laughs) that's a, a pretty fancy rope, you know? It can, it can be cut, but chances are if it just snapping is like slim to none, like you would have to have a, an extremely abraded part in it or whatever. They go through really rigorous testing on those, yeah. but, but usually it's, it's more freaky if you're rappelling or something like that in that place where you see that your rope kind of bends over that top edge of the cliff. And especially if you're hanging out doing work on it or something like that and like you kick off the wall and like you like maybe have like a lateral movement or something like that and you see your rope skip along the top and it's like oh god that's got like you know a couple hundred pounds of weight on it and it's rolling across who knows if there's like a sharp little nub of stone up there and it's just going to cleanly slice my rope and I'm going to free fall and impact the ground and then all of a sudden you're thinking all these thoughts that are what ifs you know when you're in a very dangerous situation it becomes very hard to focus on anything else oh man <laughs> Now I know I can't do it because that's the first thing I'd be thinking of. Is my rope's going to be shredded? It's going to cut. <laughs> you know, and the chances there's things you can do to mitigate the chances of that happening. But you know, when when you're in a, a situation, you know, doing an activity that is inherently dangerous, you know, the more that you think around those corners, you know, the safer you'll be. Because generally, any of the accidents that'll happen are going to be due to human error. Yeah, and, and you know nothing to do with. It's very rare that it's because of gear failure. And the times that it was gear failure, 
that can be traced back to human error also because maybe it was like soft goods like a rope or anything made with fabric they say that you should change those out every five years oh okay and and there was a really famous case in yosemite um this would have been several years back but there was a, a real famous climber named todd skinner and he was um he the i believe it was the belay loop on his harness broke and what they found was that he had had a piece of gear just girth hitch to it do you know what a girth hitch is Mm-mm. No. okay so imagine if you were to take a rubber band and you were to want to tie it to a pencil and you could just like lay the rubber band over the pencil and then take one end of the loop and pull it through the other end of the loop mm-hmm. and then pull it tight and it would kind of be attached to the pencil. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That's a girth hitch. And so he had a, a sling, which is like a nylon loop, of like climbing strength material that you could clip into a carabiner or whatever. He had it girth hitched to his harness. And it had been on there, and he hadn't removed it for so long that the the nylon had actually hardened to the point where it was almost like welded onto his harness, and it caused a weak spot, and it, and it broke, and so he was on rappel, and it snapped, and so he fell to his death, and it was kind of shocking to the climbing community that a professional climber that had climbed, you know, Yosemite, countless sport climbs all over the world, he did like a, a mountain in Pakistan, I think in the like Karakoram or something like that. So, I mean, this guy was an accomplished all around climber and he died from something so basic and stupid in that change, you know, soft goods should be changed. And so it's freaky when you see an accident like that happen to a professional, you know, because the, the big difference between an amateur and a professional climber is that a professional, someone who gets paid to do it. So that means they're out there doing it every day. And, you know, there was, um, there was a real famous story also from, uh, Lynn Hill. Um, you, you know, Yosemite Valley, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's a really famous big wall there called El Capitan. Yeah. Yeah. There's a route that goes up the center of El Cap called the nose. And for years that was an aid climb. Now, one of the things when people think about climbing, they think about like the, the guy hanging with the hammer and the pitons and they're nailing them and hammering them into the crack. And then they attach like a little ladder to that. And then they step and climb up that little ladder and then they hammer another one in and then they work their way up way back in the olden days. That's how climbing was primarily done. It was called aid climbing. And so the nose was like a real famous aid route. Well, in the seventies, there was a free climbing revolution where all these aid climbers wanted to push themselves more. And they're like, well, what if we climb the crack with our hands and our fingers and we, you know, we still use the ropes and gear to catch all our falls, but the goal is to do it from the bottom to the top and free climb it, meaning free of aid, not free of a rope. Yeah. <laughs> that, that can be mistaken a lot. <laughs> but, um, and so the one, like kind of the coveted jewel in Yosemite was who's going to free the nose. And what was really funny is that like at, at that time, also in climbing, there was lots of ego at play and i'm sure that there still is but from what i've read in the history books it was like really really bad and there was this one climber that was being pretty sexist and he said at the time that no female would ever climb the 513 grade and so anyway along comes lynn hill who's like five foot tall and she frees the nose (laughs) 
<laughs> and she grades it 12D, which is actually one step below 13A. And so all these guys that were trying this, the nose and were saying, oh, this is going to be a 513 route. She not only sent it, but she downgraded it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so anyway, this awesome accomplished climber, she's in France climbing. She's tying her knot. She gets cold and gets distracted by conversation, putting on her jacket and whatnot. She never finishes tying her knot, climbs all the way to the top of this pitch, calls take. And so generally what happens in climbing, when you get to the very top, you'll yell take. And so that means that the belayer down on the ground is going to take out all the slack of the rope. And so then you can just sit down and just be sitting in your harness. And then once you're good, you can yell lower away and they will lower you to the ground. Right? Pretty Yeah pretty simple she gets yeah. to the top and yells take leans back she hadn't finished tying her knot and it just happened that she made it all the way to the top of the route without falling or resting or anything you know because she's a beast she leans back and it's just her rope just flies right through her harness and she free falls and there was all these pine trees at the base of the wall and she actually like crashed through all the branches and it decelerated her enough that she hit the ground just with some scrapes and bruises oh my god yeah and so, you know, I mean, if a pro climber can make those sorts of mistakes, that's why it's super important for your weekend warrior climbers to do those double checks before you leave the ground and check all your gear. Like every time before I go out and rappel or something, I'll obsessively go through, like I got, you know, most of my ropes are 60 meter ropes. And so that's like 200 feet. I'll go through and I'll pull to all 200 feet through my thumb and forefinger feeling for lumps in the core where something might be wrong with it, <laughs> you know, cause at the yeah. end of the day, I want to come home to my kids. I'm going out climbing to have fun. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. <clears throat> Man. <laughs> I didn't mean to drag us down such a long climbing <laughs> rabbit hole. There. <laughs> I can get very verbose on the subject. <laughs> oh, I'll bet there's such a history. There's so it's, it's huge and it's everywhere. Yeah. And you know, climbing in Yosemite there, that was like the epicenter of, of like definitely North American climbing. Yeah, it's that's what's weird. It's like I know because of the area I'm in, being you know, um, the mountains are only an hour away, the beach is an hour away. There's such a diverse community of people that are into so many things that I don't know anybody that climbs. I just I know hikers, I know backpackers, I know uh, campers, but I don't know. Maybe it's you know, uh, craft beer that prevents every anyone from wanting to go climb a mountain when they can just go. <laughs> camp and then drink beer yeah that's a good point (laughs) (laughs) my i had an uncle my uncle with he's a huge biker he he's super outdoorsy he goes on these um hikes overnight with just a backpack and all he's like the super outdoors dude and come to think of it i've never heard of him climbing a mountain it's weird yeah because a lot of people who do the hikes will do like the like the peak bagging where, you know, it's, it's like a tall mountain peak, but, but, you know, you don't really need any technical mountain or technical climbing skills to get to the top. You can more or less just take like a trail up there. And yeah. Yeah. And so you'd think that, I mean, you think if you were into hiking, that would be, that'd be something to do. I mean, I'd like to do one someday just because, you know, I, I don't want to climb up a mountain like where, like with Everest, you know, you got to wear supplemental oxygen and shit like that. But if I were in, in Colorado or something like hell yeah I'd want to take that trail that goes up to the top of Pikes Peak yeah I don't, I don't know I don't see the I, I guess people I can see how they'd want to go up things like Everest but that's not really uh, I can see going on 
the hikes and going up the like the volcanoes and stuff we have here, and then getting the intrigue to climb because it's so beautiful. But I just don't see like I don't see Everest as being beautiful. I see it as like a challenge yeah. versus versus something you it would be a hobby or something you would love to do for the sake of doing it versus saying you did it or the feeling that I that oh I just did Everest. Yeah. Like I don't know. I don't know how to phrase it really, but <laughs> yeah, in in the climbing community there's people called that are referred to as alpinists and like they they're into basically packing a pack as light as possible and getting up and down the mountain as fast as possible. So it's not using like old school siege tactics like what you see like um uh oh like would you remember that really awful movie Vertical Limit? Oh, with uh, Stallone? Uh, no, that was Cliffhanger. <laughs> Which one was Vertical Was that the one Vertical with Chris? Vertical was the one with Chris O'Donnell. Chris O'Donnell, there you go. Yeah, oh, it, God. and so you know how they had like the different like base camps and shit like that? Like, yeah. That, that, that would be like siege tactics to where, you know, you're bringing like a bunch of gear with you and like a bunch of bottles of supplemental oxygen and all that. Whereas like an alpinist, it will just try and go up and down it as fast as possible. But... <laughs> And so, yeah, those guys, they'll go in the mountains and just rage. Like, they'll go down to Patagonia and try and do, like, peak enchainments to where, you know, if there's a whole bunch of mountains in a row, they're going to come up with a way that they're like, okay, we're going to go up and over this peak, and then we're going to go up and over that peak, and up and over that peak, and up and over that peak. And so, basically, they'll link all these peaks together, and so they, like, you know, start over here, and then they finish, you know, like, miles and miles away, like, coming down a totally different mountain, but they're all in the same range. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what motivates those people because it's so far away. You know, it's totally apples and oranges to this, this sort of climbing that I do. But it's, it is interesting to read about. And then the, the little short films that get put together following those people are breathtaking to watch. But it looks terrifying to me. Oh, yeah, that sounds pretty intense. <laughs> God. That, uh, uh, speaking of cliffhanger, though. Uh, did you know that that movie was loosely based on a true story that actually happened in Yosemite Valley? No. Yeah. No. Yeah. In the, it was in seventies or eighties. I'm shaky on the exact date, but there was a plane that was full of bales of marijuana that crashed in, uh, I believe it was upper Merced Lake. And so it was up in the high country in Yosemite Valley and so one, like kind of the climbers and the search and rescue there are kind of intertwined, like the search and rescue kind of recruits from the climbers that are in the valley all the time. And so that ends up being a pretty good gig for those climbers that are there because it gives them work. Cause like in climbing, you'll have a lot of people that live like a, they call it a dirt bag lifestyle where they live as cheaply and as dirty as possible to climb as often as possible. Okay. And, and so a lot of times you'll have people that'll like, you know, like live out of like a minivan or like they'll live out of a tent and, you know, eat like ramen noodles every night for supper. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I mean, basically geez. just like live as cheaply as possible. And then whatever money they can squirrel together, they actually use to buy gear and stuff like that. It's it sounds like way too itchy of a lifestyle for me. <laughs> like I need yeah. to be able to wash my hair and shit like that. <laughs> but you know, I mean, coming from like 
uh, a place of passion and, and pursuing something that you're really into. I mean, it, it sounds kind of cool and I could see how it could be romanticized even. But, um, and so basically they, there was these search and rescue people that were tight knit with the climbers and they had word that this plane that was full of contraband had crashed into, I believe it was upper Merced Lake. And so they, a couple people get curious and they go and hike up there and they see the plane like mostly under the ice and there's all these dark, like, like, uh, what was it? They, they could like see these shapes through the ice. And so they took like a, like a climbing ax or something like that. And they cut through the ice and they pull out a big bale of marijuana. And they're like, holy shit. And then news spreads. And before that following spring, when the actual, you know, authorities could go up there and collect this, the climbings, the climbers that had been going up there scavenged every single bale of marijuana out of that fucking plane in that frozen lake. Oh my God. Yeah. And then all like the Yosemite dirt bags for like a couple years after that were living like Kings. <laughs> there's, a, there's an excellent documentary on Netflix called Valley Uprising that kind of, it, it goes through and, and covers a lot of the older climbing history in Yosemite. And, and they relate that story in there as well. <laughs> but that's what, what cliffhanger was based on is that a plane full of drug contraband goes down in the mountains. And then these, you know, these bad guys headed up by John Lithgow, I think, <laughs> you know, they, they jack some climbers to say, Hey, you got to go get our loot. And based on a true story. <laughs> my God, I had no idea. Yeah. That's kind of weird. <laughs> I'm going to add Valley uprising to my queue now. It's it's interesting. It'll make you laugh. And it, it, they go through like a pretty cool thing. Like they'll do a much better job explaining like the the dirt bagging than than I did there, but like that sort of stuff's like really not allowed in Yosemite anymore and they talk about it in there that like the park rangers now will like go out with night vision goggles and go out in the woods and try and bust climbers that are illegally sleeping in caves and shit like that. Oh like, my god. Like they'll just wake up with like a boot to the ribs and like a gun in their face. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my god yeah oh they they talked to like one of the original like pioneers of the valley and uh it might have been uh yvonne chonard who actually started the company patagonia i don't know if you've ever heard of like patagonia outfitters or not but he started out as just a climber in the valley and then he made this huge company but um he said um something along the lines of back in the day when I was climbing in Yosemite, the Rangers had degrees in biology, and now the de- the Rangers have degrees in marksmanship. Oh my God! Yeah, and so you know whether that's just a natural effect of the fact that a place like Yosemite Valley sees you know, like millions of tourists a year. I mean, it's essentially like a bustling little city, and you know if you get enough people together and you don't have the capacity to enforce the laws that are there, it's will defi- um, you know, descend into chaos for the most part. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. I, I mean, I've listened to um, different like podcasts that go over some of the, the ways Rangers are not the, not those types of Rangers, but it's like, yeah, I can see how a lot of the laws and things have changed and the whole mentality of that sort of kind of lifestyle has changed so much. It's crazy. I, but I'm from the outside, looking from the outside. I never knew, I never knew how it evolved and how that how everything was. 
You know what I mean? I didn't know anything. Like, you're telling me the, the, the dirtbaggers, I had no idea people lived out there like that. <laughs> and i think like boy. every sport's got them because like you know have you ever heard of like surfing bums like in, in mm-hmm. like surfing and shit like that yeah oh so, yeah so you know dirt bags are just you know the rock climbing equivalent to it <laughs> yeah yeah basically you know like smelly people <laughs> hippies <laughs> yeah I, walking yeah. around barefoot smoking grass that sort of stuff <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I'm familiar with the ones in Santa Cruz that do the surfing. I guess yeah, naturally there would be rock climber ones too. <laughs> That'd be awesome being right where you're located, though. You said you're just an hour away from the beach or an hour away from mountains. Yeah, that is so far removed from where I'm at in Iowa, but man, it sounds awesome. Oh man, I you know what I I have to admit that I hate California so much, and I want to move, but it's like, dude, the weather. The mountains, the the ocean, the big cities were next to everything, and the weather never gets. I mean, it's what raining a lot right now. We, I don't know. What I can't complain that it's raining a lot right now. I don't get. I don't get snow. I don't get blizzards. I don't get tornadoes. It's like it's. Yeah, thanks. I'm spoiled here. <laughs> well, here's how weird it is weather-wise where I'm at in Iowa. Last Saturday, I was out in a t-shirt out in the woods. This morning, we took the kids sledding, and it was negative five with the wind chill. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> so, so yeah, we, it started snowing last night. We got enough snow that we were able to take the boys sledding. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, it was miserable <laughs> like i was really wishing i would have had my death stroke mask it would have kept my face really warm and i'd have scared the shit out of everyone else on the hill <laughs> <laughs> i just got vision of because i saw you put a picture of it on facebook i was like that is awesome that thing was the coolest thing ever i was so happy when i found that <laughs> <laughs> Can you only see out of one eye with that? Uh, the, the, you had they had two options. The company that sold those, you could get one with two eyes or one with one. And I was like, I want to stay true to the character and get the one eye one, but I also <laughs> wanted to be able to actually use this thing when it is cold out. And you know, and I like having depth perception. <laughs> Oh, man. so I went with the one where he had two eyes, and it was funny too. Is that one of my friends that's like really into comics, like pointed that out, and he's like, he's like, you know, the real Deathstroke only has one eye, and I was like, well, this is before he lost his eye. Then, oh my god, <laughs> I bought I bought a mask just like that that looks like. Do you remember the nineteen seventies something Spider Man TV show? Uh, I never watched it, but I've, you know, seen like stills and stuff like that online. Yeah, I got a mask that looks exactly like that with the exception that it has the mouthpieces cut out. So I look like the 1970s something Spider-Man with the eyes cut out, but my mouth is open. So my lips are sticking out. So it looks like I'm going (laughs) to rob somebody. (laughs) Oh, my God. I, I can't wear that thing. I look so stupid. I looked in the mirror and I'm like, I look pretty ridiculous with this thing. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I figure with my Deathstroke one is that the only time I'm going to wear it really is when it's really cold out. And then it's like, all right, I have an excuse. <laughs> Come on. Come on. We're in Iowa. It gets really cold and windy here. 
Did you take it out walking your dog or going for a jog? Like I think Jordan said he was going to do that. Dude, I did. T- I did wear it for a run one time, and I ran. I ran through the, te- the all the streets in the town that I live in. <laughs> it's a really small town too, in this little area that I'm in. So I mean, you could probably cover every street if you were willing to do like an you know hour run at the ra- at the pace that I run anyway. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> but yeah, I ran, I did play like a two mile run wearing that. And uh, what was funny too, is that it was really cold out. And, you know, since there's no cutout part for my mouth, every exhalation out through my mouth, you know, just more and more <laughs> moisture is getting caught in the front of that. And then it got to the <laughs> point where it was like, I'm running and I'm trying to breathe through like a wet washcloth that's like stretched <laughs> over my mouth. <laughs> yeah. And like trying to not have a panic or trying to not have a panic attack. And also, like, uh, like I'm getting into better shape again now, but, like, that had been the first run that I had done in maybe, like, a year and a half or something like that. And so I was yeah. like, yeah, really trying hard not to have a, a panic attack. And, like, just, you know, it's like, you're okay. Just easy breathing. Don't start hyperventilating and you're going to be fine. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I've tried to get myself back in that space where like I want to do fitness things, you know, and not have it be like a chore. It's like, Oh, I'm off work. Now I got to freaking, you know, do my workout. And, and I, you know, I wrote my own workout so that I wouldn't have any excuse, you know, cause it's easy to not want to do like P90X or insanity or something like that. So it's like, oh, oh yeah. you know, look, oh, I could hurt myself on that one part. And it's like, ah, 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 you tailor made your workout, Joseph. <laughs> you have no excuse. <laughs> yeah. I have, I have actually had a tailor make my own workout. Cause like, what was it? Uh, 2011, 2011, I had back surgery cause I had herniated a disc in my, um, my, L5 S1 discs of my very bottom vertebrae. Oh no. Oh Dude, yeah. Back problems are the worst, you know. Yeah. I mean, you and just I, feel it in everything you do. Oh, it's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I'm kind of back to normal. Jesus, it took me like 2 years to get back to normal cuz I had surgery and I was fine for 6 months and then I guess they had scar tissue from where they cut through the muscle to get to the the disc it formed scar tissue through the muscle and then i had like a, i had a, I, I overdosed on my medication because like two days after my surgery i was religiously making sure i took my pain medication so i would set my alarm and wake up so i i ended up taking too much and i was nauseous and i was sick and my my wife went to work, so my mom was at home with me, and she got nervous and called the ambulance. And as they were putting me on the gurney, the guy stretched his hand his hand out for me to hold his hand to ease me down. And as I leaning back and I reached my hand out to the guy, he moved his hand away because he was, like, afraid that I was going to grab him or something. So when I got on the gurney, I, like, basically my chest went all the way down to my knees. So it, like... I think I squirt some of the disc back out. So that formed scar tissue too in my back. Ah. So I was like, fuck, this fucking sucks. So like six months later is when I started having problems. And it took like two years to get back to normal. And I went, you know, I had, I've had problems back and on and off. I'm trying to be active. And one of the doctors, the last time I went, he's like, uh, looking at the MRI, he's like, you should be fine. This, that, and the other, you know, you just, you do these activities 
but don't run. He's like, as a matter of fact, you're never going to run. I was like, fuck, I'm never going to run. And I would like, I say that it's not good for your body, actually, like your joints and stuff like that. Like just that impact, impact, impact over and over again. So I can imagine it'd be the same on a back, especially, you know, if you've got scar tissue and whatnot that you're dealing with. Yeah. But I, I play, I started playing paintball again recently. And I realized that when I wanted to sprint and run, I hadn't done physical activity in like a good three years because of my back. Like before I had surgery, it still bugged me for like a year before that. So I was like so far out of shape. I ran and I was going to bunker these freaking like 12 year old kids and they're scared. (laughs) (laughs) They're scared to death on the other side because they saw me run up to them. Little did they know I almost dropped my paintball gun because I'm huffing and puffing. I'm like, oh my God, I think I'm going to die. I think I'm going to die. So I was like, you know what? This is this is bullcrap. I'm going to start running again. And so I like downloaded the Runtastic app. I'm watching Rebecca Dolling and all of her stuff. So I'm like, you know what? I love running. her posts on running. Oh god! <laughs> it, if nothing else, dude, they're they're very motivational. Yeah. It's like it made me tell my doctor, "F you, I'm running." So. I went out running. I paced my, I gave myself a mile. I'm like, oh, I'm going to run a mile. That's all I'm going to do. Run a mile. And I think I made it three quarters of a mile before my entire leg was numb. My foot was numb. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not running. So I had to stop running, come back. And now I tailor made myself a workout program with, I got a punching bag. And so I'm doing a lot of little, you know, Sugar Ray Leonard dance moves and stuff while I'm trying to. That's get good my... cardio. If nobody's ever yeah. actually worked out in front of a bag before, I used to do um, a kickboxing routine with a bag, and I couldn't believe what good cardio it was. Yeah, it I will love it. Wear you out. <laughs> yeah, and I it's fun because was... you can feel like a badass at the same time. Well, I am a badass. Just look. <laughs> I... <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. I think I started it, <coughs> excuse me, I'm dying. I started it like two months ago where I was like, I'm going to go ahead and do this. I'm going to punch, work on my punching bag. I had a friend at work that had a back problem too, who took karate, made his back worse because of the punching and the impact and stuff that, that it ripples through your spine. So I'm like, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to punch, not right. I'm just going to punch and I'm just going to work out. So I, that's basically what I've been doing is I, I haven't been able to with this stupid cough, but I think I lost, it's not like a heroic amount, but I, I lost about 10 pounds in two months, which is. It makes a big difference. I, yeah, well, I don't, I don't see it yet, but I mean, my stomach doesn't look like it's any smaller. <laughs> you didn't feel a difference with 10 pounds? <laughs> I usually feel no. the difference with 10. <laughs> but I, I went, yeah, I, I went I, from like 208 to like. 198 196 oh yeah i was so like at the it would have been in the spring of well no up and up and up inwards of the summer even of 2015 i was down to like right around 200 which was like the lowest i'd been ever in my adult life when i first got into climbing i was 335 pounds oh wow and um yeah and that was kind of the first thing that that really motivated me to change my lifestyle. And previously, you know, every time I would try to work out, I'd end up quitting because like, exercise is just dreadfully boring to me. Yeah. And it's it hard to, to me too. 
yeah, and and like I'm borderline OCD and I like structure and stuff like that, but like the structure of doing like that sort of a workout, which was the only stuff that I'd ever been subjected to is like when I was in seventh and eighth grade, I did like every single sport that the school offered and found reasons for every single one of them that I didn't like doing that sport. But in, in wrestling, I was atrocious in wrestling, but I, I enjoyed the workouts, but like, Oh dude, I, I like, I knew how many lights were on the ceiling in like every gymnasium I wrestled in. Because <laughs> that recipe or the recipe that referee would blow the whistle and like i was like a deer in headlights and it was just like yeah flip me on my back i'm a fucking human turtle yeah oh, man. but but the workouts were great and so every time that i would get motivated to work out again i'd just try and replicate what we did in like seventh grade wrestling <laughs> you know what i'm doing this as like an adult and then you know, when I'm 29, I discover rock climbing and all of a sudden it doesn't feel like exercise, but it's like yeah. some of the hardest shit that I've ever done, but it's fun. You know, it's like I'm hanging out in like in a garage climbing on like a, a plywood climbing wall with plastic holds and like I'm getting all this awesome camaraderie from from all these people that are being really open and accepting the fact that, you know, they're giving a, a, a like the guy that that um that I'd kind of consider like my, my climbing mentor is uh, my friend Troy. And I met him because he was actually building my, my, my other friends climbing wall. And I was helping them get uh, the fasteners for it. And so I was dropping off like the T nuts that go in the, the walls. Cause basically like the, the plywood that you put on a wall, you'll drill a bunch of holes in it and then put the, put T nuts in those holes from like the back and so each one of those holes is threaded, and so you can make, move the holds around to whatever configuration you want. Yeah. And so I show up, and, like, this dude that's probably, like, in, like, the 150 pounds, like, he's got, like, veins sticking out when he's not even doing anything. <laughs> like, the guy's, like, almost always totally shredded. And, like, he, like, looks at me, and I'm, like, you know, 300 and some, 330-some pounds, big guy and he's like you should really try this someday and like he wasn't saying it from like a like a mocking tone or anything he was dead serious he was like talking to this guy that when you would look at me in at that time of my life like you would not think that this guy's gonna even climb a flight of steps without having a heart attack let alone you know like t go out in the woods and climb a rock wall and so that always struck me as really cool that that from the very first moment before I was even a climber, like, you know, I was being accepted. And, yeah. and so it's, it's a really cool camaraderie, especially, you know, once you've gone out outdoors, cause basically your partner's got literally got your life in their hands. And so, you know, yeah. you're doing stuff with people that you really got to trust. And, and that motivation was, was there. And I was able to actually work really hard and lose a lot of that weight, but it didn't feel like exercise. And then when I get that injury in mid 2015 and I don't have that sort of exercise that I can do anymore just because my body was injured. I couldn't pull on holds with my left hand because there's two tendons that were messed up. And then uh, my, my right knee was all messed up. And so it made it really hard to train or do anything like, like if I fully extend my right leg, like the knee hurts. If I fully bend my right leg, the knee hurts. So it's only kind of in that one, you know, like not quite fully open, not quite fully closed. 
And so, you know, that takes squats out of it. That takes jumping jacks out of it. You know, all these different sorts of calisthenics, I couldn't do any of them. But what I could do was convalesce and drink beer. <laughs> and, and yeah. It, yeah. And in that state, yeah, I put on like, like 50 pounds that now I'm, I'm chipping away at. And uh, it, it, it sucks to like lose ground, you know? Yeah. Oh God. Cause like, I think it was like probably two years before I'd hurt my back. We had like a mix up stuff at work and I had to take, uh, not, it's not a real physical job, but it's a lot of physically moving and stacking cases that are only like say 30 pounds. So I was stacking like 1500 cases every night, constantly moving and driving. And I got down to like 180 pounds and I was in such good shape. Like I was in great shape because it was constantly moving. It wasn't heavy stuff and I got in such good shape. And then like, I only did that for like a year. So after that, I, I kind of took a, another position at work driving a forklift where I never had to get off my forklift. And I was like, Dude, that kind of contributed to my back injury because I was like, I totally let myself go. I freaking was started. I started smoking, not smoking, but like smoking meat. I got real heavy into smoking meat. So it like on the weekends or after work, all I did was eat garbage meat that tasted delicious and drinking beer that was matched up with it. And I got myself into such bad shape and a bad lifestyle. And then when I injured myself, I was already on that path to where it's like, what am I going to do? I guess I'm just going to smoke meat and drink beer. And God, I let myself go so bad. And then I had to bounce back after I finally got healthy again as far as my back and try to fix what I was eating, what what my lifestyle, all it was. I'm I'm not OCD, but I like routine too. And to put myself back into routine to where I could get and like have a healthy lifestyle. It was so freaking hard. It was so hard. I can't even say I'm healthy now, but I'm a little bit more motivated and physically able to, I don't know, get myself, keep myself on the path that I'm on at least. Yeah. It's, it can be hard to find that motivation and then to like make yourself keep doing it again. And, yeah. 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 <laughs> God, and I got this. Yeah. Go I ahead. Man. I was going to say, I got, like, you know how it is being an adult, meeting new people and making new friends. It's hard. And I've made a new friend in this guy who cosplays with his family. And he suckers me in. He comes over and he just, I don't know what it is about this guy with his his energy and the way he loves it all. And how he really wants me to do it with him and stuff. So I, I ended up making, like, a Halo costume and I have to keep it in shape. And I went on this parade of lights that we had in town with the costumers and everyone's dressed up and I'm looking around going, some of these guys are not really in great shape and they're wearing spandex and I don't want to, I'm not going to wear spandex, but I don't want to be that guy that wears spandex that's in bad shape. So I try to keep myself in, I don't know, it's kind of a motivational too to keep me in some sort of decent shape because this dude keeps nagging me to get costumes and go to conventions with him. And I was like, dude, I want to and it's fun, but I got to keep myself, you know, I don't know, body positive and keep my body to where I'm comfortable with it. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Oh, I absolutely know what you mean, man. 
It's bad. I, it's bad enough to be a forty-year-old dude dressed in a costume at a convention. If but I got to keep myself in shape. So and I'm like, Ugh, I don't know, a little more confident. Especially going to C2E2 this year in April with a bunch of the leftover people that I'm. I'm actually. This is only going to be the second time I've been at a convention with a costume. And it's like, dude, I am very self-conscious. I'm very, I'm a, I'm an introvert and very nervous about it. So I'm trying to keep myself in at least a decent enough shape to where I'm comfortable doing it. Because it's, that's a total, I don't know. I could go to work and feel bad about not being in good shape. But to put myself out there not in good shape, it, I, can't, I can't allow myself to do it. You know what I mean? Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. I, I spend way too much time worrying about that sort of stuff, but, and then I, I tell myself it's because, well, you know, like with, with climbing, every one of my climbing friends is like ridiculously fit. And so in the summertime when it's hot out, Joe's the only one climbing with a shirt on <laughs> because I refuse to let somebody name a route like hairy man tits. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, I, I hear you. I have a check, but you know, I have yeah, a gigantic. About, you know, I have about. a gigantic ab. One ab. I've got it. I know exactly what it's like. I'm not taking my shirt off, showing my ab off. <laughs> I don't have an ab. I have a flab. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Because my little eleven year old will snuggle up to me and put her hand on my stomach and just patch goes oh fat daddy i'm like oh come on my six-year-old does that to me <laughs> oh my god it's so mean oh well and now he's he's he was oh god he was going through a kick a couple months ago where he kept calling me santa oh no it's like thanks dude <laughs> oh, but then man. you know that's that's motivation <laughs> and so i'm like yeah. he's not being a dick he's motivating me <laughs> By being a dick. <laughs> yeah. My daughter has no filter. No, no I, filter. I don't think most kids do, you know. No. I, I had another buddy from high school came over and we were talking about, man, my youngest daughter's freaking right there at my hip. And I was talking about how, because I have a the Stormtrooper armor. I'm like, yeah, I'm thinking about fixing it up and putting it back together. And he's like, oh, that's awesome. I'd love, I'd love to wear a Stormtrooper armor. And my 11-year-old looks up at him and she says, there's no fat stormtroopers. Oh, no. I was like, oh, my God. I felt so bad. I'm like, get out of here, dude. Don't say that. That's the rudest thing you should say. You can't tell somebody something like that. And she looked at me and she's like, are you making your suit fit you better? I'm like, God, damn. Yeah, I was making it fit me better because I had to let it out. But she let me know I had to let it out. I'm like, come on, kid. Get out of (laughs) here. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That can be awkward when they just let out like a truth like that. I know. You know, that's got to be a weird part of growing up, though, is that, you know, as you're a kid and you're learning all these things, and then you got to learn, you know, when it's, you know, and it's not necessarily a lie, but in a way you can say, yeah, it is, it is times you know necessary that you gotta kind of lie or just not point something out or you know the the social niceties of of getting along with people and you know the all-important not hurting feelings 
Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. It's so weird. You know, I mean, think of how much weirdness it goes into train a human being in how to get along in society. And yeah. Society just keeps getting weirder and weirder. And Yeah. Especially uh, when you got a kid like that and you're like, you know what? This is, oh, there's no way to even prepare yourself for it. I guess therapy. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely a possibility. <laughs> Yeah, therapy for me, not for her. God, this kid. too much. I can't handle it. I remember when I was a kid, my parents took me to a psychologist. And um, I've always had the problem of if I'm not interested in it, it's going to be like pulling teeth to get me to do it. And so when I was younger, I guess I just did. I just wouldn't do my homework. It was just, it was like, yeah, whatever. I'm just not going to do it. And it got to the point where mom and dad actually took me to a child psychologist. And the only way that like he helped and he helped in the manner of, I hated the guy so much <laughs> that I started doing my homework just so I wouldn't have to go talk to the guy anymore. <laughs> oh my God. That's awesome. <laughs> and then oh. what's kind of funny is that years later down the road when I was, Oh, this had to have been like six years later or something like that, maybe. Maybe not even that long, but anyway, not important on the timeline. But he was on the local news answering questions that were being called in live. And I guess somebody with like a little kid's voice called in and on on the air was able to get a question through and said, do you think the Channel 9 news people are gay? Oh my god. And so this was back before cell phones, but I had saved up uh UPCs and I got a Mountain Dew pager. Do you remember when Mountain Dew like did the pager? No, I don't. Yeah, they had it was awesome. It was a little pager and it had a Mountain Dew logo on it. And so I was obsessed with having one and my parents said, Oh, it's the dumbest thing ever and then as soon as I had it and they realized that they could call it and then I would immediately call them back and tell them where I was. You know, then it became something awesome. And so I'm hanging out at my friend's house and I get a page and it says 911. And so I use their phone and I call home. My mom's like, are you doing something you shouldn't be right now? Like, what are you talking about? She's like, are you making phone calls that you shouldn't be? And I was like, this is the first phone call I've made all day. And she's like, oh, well, somebody just prank called your old, you know, psychologist when he was on the news. (laughs) And I thought it was you. And I was like, oh, thanks for the vote of confidence, mom. so awesome <laughs> my god like i wish i could have oh. called in messed with them i don't know if i went with something so basic as do you think they're gay <laughs> like do you ever think about what a worthless psychologist you are <laughs> that would have been my question <laughs> oh for real for real oh god i actually oh my god i went to a psychologist like oh how long ago was it I want to say it was only like maybe like eight or nine years ago I went to one because I had like anger management issues and just anxiety stuff like my temper would just fly off the handle out of nowhere. So I was like, I got to I got to talk to somebody. I got to get anger management issues or something. So I went to a psychologist and we were kind of going through issues and a a lot of it because I had just recently gone flipping my schedule back nights today is nights today. So I just got back to work. A day shift schedule so I was with my wife every night trying to adjust to her schedule and stuff the way she did things because she'd done it for so long um, on her own and man I went to this psychologist and he's like 
don't know, it turned in almost like, we're going to do like, let's bring your wife in and we're going to talk to your wife. And he determined that I had ADD and everything. And he's, I'm like, okay, okay, we're going to figure this out. We'll talk to my wife. We'll just kind of have a conversation. So I'm like, oh, it's going to be like marriage counseling. That's great. So he calls my wife in and he fucking unloaded on my wife. Like he took my side to everything. And I'm like, oh my God, this is fucking awful. I got to get the hell out of here. Yeah. It's like, dude, you're not going to ride home in the car with her. Would you shut up? (laughs) Yeah. So I'm like, I get out and I'm like, dude, we're driving home. Like, dude, I understand that I have my way of doing things and I'm able to do them because I worked, you know, I had, I'm I'm home alone in the morning because y'all are sleeping. And I understand you have your stuff that you're accustomed to. I didn't ask this dude to attack you. I know I went asking for help because I need to figure some stuff out and get my freaking moods out of into control. And dude, she was just like, dude, I hate this guy. I won't, he's like a terrible psychologist. I don't know what the heck you're doing. I was like, oh my God, I am so sorry. So I like basically hired a hitman to chew my wife out for me. <laughs> oh, it was terrible. Yeah. Oh, that had to have been awkward sitting there while it was going down and not wanting it to be going down too. <laughs> I know. It's like, oh, it's like I was sitting there listening to him. And at first I started fist pumping like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then it's like, oh, dude, you're going a little too far. Just calm it down. Back it off. Oh, it was so awkward. It was terrible. <laughs> and I remember as we're driving home, I'm telling her, I'm like, yeah, this guy confessed to me. He's on his third marriage. So. Maybe he doesn't really know what he's talking about. <laughs> yeah, maybe he might have been projecting a little bit there. <laughs> yeah. He's like living a little vicariously through me. <laughs> vented. And, oh, my God. <laughs> he wasn't able to say it in any of his relationships, and so he's going to say no. it in yours. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's like, dude, why are you still allowed to talk to people professionally? <laughs> I know. <laughs> That's exactly how I was feeling, too. (laughs) So bad. He even almost encouraged me to get a divorce. He's like, yeah, I left my wife because, you know, all these different issues. And I was so much happier on my own. And I'm like, the way way he worded it, I walked out going, holy shit. I should have never got married. And I get home, like, dude, this dude's fucking whack. Yeah. Did that? Wow. Hmm. But... I wonder, psych- money, though. I wonder if psychiatrists have Yelp reviews. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. We've... <laughs> if that's not a thing, it should be. Just because some I... of those reviews might be kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We've had to take, not that my son is a problem, but my son had, uh... oh man, he had, sur- he had six surgeries before he was two for just an issue he had. And it stunt his emotional development so he's emotionally and mentally he's a little more immature i guess you could say okay so we took him to a psychologist like hey let's figure out what's going on he's socially not doing too well with other kids because he's mostly because he gets emotional and he, he cries very easily so we go to this psychiatrist and it's like oh it was the worst experience of my life because they were like oh no he's fine you know he's just has to develop this and it's like well how do we do it Oh, you just have to let him do it on his own. I'm like, no, I'm paying you to be a psychologist. Figure out what what his hiccups are and see what we can do to help work with him. Oh, my God. I wanted to leave this chick a Yelp review in the toilet because she was terrible. And it didn't help my son at all. We took him for I don't know how long. I was like, okay, I guess I'm going to go to my new psychologist, Google, and we'll figure this out. So we 
sure enough, going to Google and figuring out how to work stuff was way better than going to psychologists for him. Well, that's the good part then. (laughs) Yeah. It sucks he had to go down a shitty road to get there. Oh, I know. I don't know. Psychologists and therapists, I think that's just a scam. Not that I'm some sort of conspiracy theorist, but I think it's some of them, it's a little bit of a scam. Yeah, the the ones that, the, because I guess the difference between a psychiatrist and a psychologist, the way I understand it, is a psychologist is purely just like they're going to listen to you and help you talk through it, whereas a psychiatrist can prescribe the different medications for you. And I don't know, I'm always leery of of medications in a way. And, and not to say that I don't think antidepressants work because I know that there's lots of people who wouldn't be able to function without them. And, and I don't, you know, that's not something I'd ever put on a person because if, if there is a chemical imbalance, then you're going to need, you know, likely a a chemical fix to do it, you know, regardless of what Tom Cruise might've said about Brooke Shields, just needing proper exercise or something. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that, that guy already proved he was batshit crazy. If, uh, did you ever watch that documentary going clear oh yeah dude how weird was that part where him and david miscavige are on a stage that looks like it's the oscars or something and tom cruise is wearing a big gold medallion like flavor Flav, and then they turn around and they salute an oil painting of l ron hubbard (laughs) it's like it's like yep i'm never gonna believe anything that comes out of that guy's mouth again (laughs) because this is the craziest fucking shit i've ever seen in my life yeah it's funny because you like look back on some of the movies he did. It's like you know what I think I can enjoy. I can enjoy Top Gun because that was the pre batshit crazy Tom Cruise. <laughs> it's like Vanilla Sky. I don't know. I think he was kind of oh Vanilla Sky was there. atrocious. Oh, uh, I didn't. I didn't like that movie at all. <laughs> it was no. just, just too. And like I can watch weird movies, but that was just fucking way too weird for me. But yeah, yeah. And I I try not to let the stuff like that an actor and actress does off screen affect the way I look at them on the screen. But there, there's lots of times where that does happen. Like, especially like with, with like all the, the crazy shit that you hear about Bruce Willis being a giant asshole. Yeah. You know, or like, you know, Mel Gibson, like with his weird ass, like anti-Semitic tirade that he goes on. And then it's like, it does tarnish that, you know, if you want to call it a brand, you know, then it's it's definitely tarnished a little bit with that sort of shenanigans. Oh yeah, I oh man, I had such mixed emotions seeing like Mel Gibson's gonna direct the Suicide Squad part two, and I'm like, <sighs> I, I didn't like I didn't like Suicide Squad, but it's like I like some of the characters. I think they could do something good with it. And I'm like, dude, Bruce Willis or uh, Mel Gibson, man, that guy's oh, I don't know if I like that guy, but he's a great director. He has directed some really great stuff. Yeah. And in in like yeah, like as soon as you brought it up and I was like, uh and that's more I'm saying that because it's like is the guy crazy? <laughs> I wish I didn't know this other stuff that I know. You know, because it, it does tarnish it. It's like it's like growing up like Die Hard was like a number one awesome movie for me. Like I in it's fucking I mean, how many awesome Bruce Willis movies have you seen? I know. I, I can't think of one that, that's flopped that I didn't like other than like, you know, the last two diehards. Yeah. You, yeah. It's like, yeah. And then I really enjoy him. Yeah. And then like you hear like Kevin Smith's story about what a total fucking asshole Bruce Willis is. And it's like, fuck, man, you, that kind of tates shit a little bit. And like, 
like, uh, I don't know. I refuse to let Die Hard be tainted, though. That movie's too good. <laughs> yeah. Maybe he wasn't an asshole when, you know, it's like a Top Gun thing. It was yeah. back far enough that he wasn't quite an asshole yet, so I can enjoy it. <laughs> hey, speaking of Top Gun, have you ever heard that I in, in like I have no idea what movie it was in, but it was a line delivered by Quentin Tarantino where he's talking about that Top Gun was the best script that's ever been written because of subversion. Have you ever heard that? No. Okay. So he's saying that Top Gun is basically a story about Maverick trying to decide whether he's going to be gay or straight. Oh my god. And Kelly you- McGinnis represents going straight. And Iceman and his crew represent the gay. Did you see the the the, <laughs> g- the gay romance trailer they made out of that movie? Uh uh-uh, uh uh. Oh, gonna, it's on you. Oh, it's uh, on YouTube. I have to it's look great. it up. I bet it's hilarious. <laughs> oh, it's so great because they have like their whole volleyball scene and they're playing the whole trailer with that. Um, what was that song? God, was it that that love song that they had? God. Uh, was it "Take My Breath Away"? Yeah, they have the whole trailer is done with that. And they're playing volleyball. And then Iceman does that whole move where he's chewing the gum and he bites at him. And it's like, oh, this is so awesome. It's so awesome. I, I loved it, dude. It's on YouTube somewhere. It's it's great. It's really freaking great. I'll find that video you're talking about and then the one with, with Tarantino that I'm talking about. I'll put them both on the Starkcast page <laughs> when, when I get this re- this episode released. <laughs> dude, it's... It, oh, my God. It'll be awesome. I got to see it when you post it. Oh, hell yes. <laughs> I love everything like that's taken out of context and so... Anytime somebody takes a movie or an element and they take it out of its element, I love it. Oh, absolutely. Like, the Honest Movie trailers always crack me up. <laughs> I've watched those for the uh, the Avengers movies. Did you see the one for, for Winter Soldier? Oh, I... And so, okay, I, you remember at the beginning of Winter Soldier, it's got that great scene where, where Cap sneaks on that ship and he's like running yeah. around and just very aggressively taking people out. And so yeah. the, the Honest trailer starts and it's like, it's like Captain America's back, and he didn't skip leg day. And it's like a montage oh, yeah. of him just kicking people. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, oh my god! And, and then on the Avengers one, it's like giving like not even the real names for everybody. Like when it shows Captain America, they call him the Human Torch. <laughs> yeah, I saw and that. When <laughs> and when it shows Black Widow, they go leather pubes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you're... dude those those are the best youtube it's so videos silly it's so silly and i love it for it <laughs> did you see the pacific rim one uh-uh, i haven't seen that oh one. my god you have to because they stop just doing the trailer as the robots are fighting They're like oh my god did you see that oh i just punched him and launched a rocket oh his fist just came up oh my god this is so awesome and it's like <laughs> they just stop They're like this is the the best worst movie ever made and it's like yeah it is <laughs> oh god <laughs> that's hilarious <laughs> dude those are so awesome i love them uh, i think i just i just watched the john wick one and oh my god that's great too oh shit i'm just i'm suddenly realizing that i think i've only watched the ones for like the different marvel movies i'm gonna have to look up all these other honest trailers now <laughs> oh yeah, you, dude! You have to see the John Wick one and the Pacific Rim one. They are so good because they actually <laughs> love the movies. 
Oh, how could you not like the first John Wick? Oh I haven't seen this. I haven't seen the second one yet, but ooh, that first one was so good. Oh, I know. I told my wife too. I was like last week, and I was like, "Let's go to the movies. We're gonna go see John Wick 2. She's like, "Well, I've never seen John Wick one." I was like, "We watched it together. You don't remember it?" She's like, "No, I don't remember it." And I'm like, "Have I ever cried in a movie?" She's like, "No." I go, "I cried in John Wick." <laughs> She was like, you cried in John Wick. I go, dude, you don't remember his dog? Yeah. I cried for his dog. And she was like, I don't remember any of it. And I showed her the trailer. I showed her the honest trailer of it. because I was looking for the trailer. And she's like, I think I remember this movie. So I was like, oh, now I have to watch that movie again before I see John Wick. Because she doesn't remember any of the any of the first one. My wife is that exact same way with movies. She does not retain plot points. And in a way, like, I'm envious of her because, like, I I remember way too much shit. And, the, you know, it's like my mind wasn't made to hold, like, algebraic equations. But as, like, a 36-year-old, I can still remember almost all the words to Ice Ice Baby. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like, yeah. the, it's, like the, it's totally useless. But um, do you remember the movie The Others with Nicole Kidman? I didn't watch that. Is that the one where she they're in the house and there's other people there? Yes. Well, no, I haven't okay, seen so, it. So this is like, I'm going to spoil the shit out of it, but the movie's almost two decades old, so I don't care. So you find out at the end of the movie that they're, they're the ones that are the ghosts. And the oh, other, shit. And the other people were the people that had actually moved into the house and like they were trying to get the ghosts out. And so, you know, it's kind of like a big twist at the end of the movie. Yeah, my wife got surprised by that twist like two or three times <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome and my wife is like super smart like when she was a senior in high school she was like all excited about taking like some like advanced calculus or some shit you know but it's like yeah but when it comes to like you know that sort of stuff like her mind doesn't retain that sort of stuff <laughs> and yeah. so like in that way we're a great team but yeah i make fun of her about the others all the time and it might be to the point now where I've made fun of her enough that she's retained that ending. Oh my God. <laughs> Chances are good, though. I, we could probably surprise her with it again. <laughs> oh, my God. That's awesome. <laughs> hey, and um, one of the things that I want to be sure and bring up before we're done here is you've got a YouTube channel that with uh, making the Iron Man helmet, that kind of multi-part series. That is awesome. So yeah, man, your uh, YouTube channel's great. Oh, thanks. I yeah, I just made like a several part videos on how to make an Iron Man helmet that I thought was honestly pretty boring because <laughs> you know I, I talk like Stephen Wright and I micromanaged it and really got into probably more detail than most people probably needed to get into. But yeah, I did it per request and uh, I did it. Now I got I'm going to refine it a little bit. And I got another video I'm going to be working on probably next weekend. Man, I, I enjoyed the the detail in it, though. But, you know, I'm like a real detail-oriented person where it's like, if you just give me a loose overview on how to do something, it's like, feel free to go into detail, <laughs> you know, about all the little nuances. Yeah. Like, like um, oh, I might have been in like the third, it might have been in the third one or whatever, and you were talking about how you did like the perfectly round cuts on the side and like you had that like plumbing fixture and you're able to take that and just kind of work it back and forth and that actually cut through the foam and then it gave you like a perfect circle 
Oh yeah. Yeah. Like those little tips like that, you know, I could, you know, and I don't watch too many videos where, you know, that sort of stuff's being done in the first place, but like those sorts of little things like that, like really, really help. Yeah. I, you know, I got to really figure out how to edit that better and kind of speed the video along or just do a quick little cut. I just didn't want to do too much off camera and then come back to it and show it. But it was like, man, this, those videos ended up getting really a lot longer than they probably should have been. But the whole process, God, it took so long to actually do it. And when I look back at the videos, I think it was probably a total of, what, an hour and a half, two hours that you could, you can easily fast forward and skip through it. But I was like, wow, it's not, that's not just a fraction of the time it takes to glue everything together and to, to do everything that, yeah, it's, it's a lot longer video that needed to be, but I was like, I was really hoping to just give people the details that I didn't have when I was learning how to do it myself. Hell yeah, man. But, and that Iron Man helmet is so freaking cool. <laughs> like, dude. like just see, cause you know, I saw the finish, uh, one of your finished products on, on your page first. And then, you know, you did the video later on and I'm watching you build this thing and I'm like watching it and I'm actually watching you do it. And it's still not registering in my mind. It's like, this thing is really goddamn nice. Like, yeah. I, and, and like, that's one of the coolest things about it to me though, is that you're so incredibly humble about it. <laughs> I'm, I'm like a super perfectionist. So like, any little seam that doesn't really show up or doesn't get hidden very well, instantly I'm like, dude, this is garbage because I can see right here. This looks uh, terrible. I am the exact same type of craftsman. Like if if I were yeah. to take you out and show you my climbing wall, usually whenever people come in and see it in my garage, they're like, this is so great. It's like, yeah, I could go and I could point out every single spot where there's a gap in the plywood that drives me fucking nuts. <laughs> yeah. You know, where the pieces didn't fit perfectly plush and, or flush and it's like, you know, there, I think there's a limit into being a perfectionist and an artist. There's, there's yeah. got to be like a, a, a happy zone in there where they mesh really well together, where if you know you get too much perfectionist, you're never going to get any of your projects done. you know. And if you're not enough of a perfectionist, you're going to be putting out shit. Yeah. <laughs> I, I kind of, I got so many people from the leftover army telling me to make videos or this is awesome. Can you make this or make that? And it's like the amount of time it takes, it's like, it's not like fiscally worth making something and selling it, but it's like, you know what, if these people, it's, it's, it's not a, too many people. So I was like, you know what, these are some really cool people. I really like them. So I offered myself up and said, you know what, I'll make some stuff. If you guys have a request, send it to me. I'll make some stuff. If you really think it's that good, you could pay me for the materials and I'll make it. I'll give you my time for free. Cause basically it's like, I'll be able to do something I like to do. It's a fun hobby. Um, I'll constantly be improving if I keep doing it. So I was like, yeah, I'll do it. Just send me what you want and I'll, I'll do it. So I'm working on, uh, that was probably one of the, I'd never made a, an Iron Man helmet before. And I took the, pr- the process of making it that, that a lot of costumers use. And I took it to a separate level to give it a little more detail, which I think really, I really think it worked a lot better, even though I'm not a hundred percent happy with it. Cause I really wanted it to be exact, but it's like, I, st- I took it to a couple like Captain America helmets that are on my Facebook page. I made two of them. One of them's for Joe Vitale. And I'm going to let him pick which one he wants if he, when he wants it. But it's like, dude, it's only going to cost materials to make it. And that's all I'm asking for back. So that Iron Man helmet was like seven bucks. I told the dude, I said, <laughs> holy cow. 
I was like, this thing costs physically, it costs seven bucks to make it. So like with shipping and everything, it's like total came out to like 15 bucks or whatever. I'm not, I hate dealing with money. I don't like telling people, you know, negotiating funds or money. That's why I don't do stuff for profit. So I was like, and he gave me some sad story about, oh, my girlfriend loves Robert Downey Jr. Valentine's Day is coming up. So I was like, all right, all right, all right, I'll sell it to you. And he gave me, I'm not going to say what he gave me, but it was like, no. you know what? He he <laughs> he, ver- he he compensated me more than what, what the materials was worth to a point that I was like, you know what? I really appreciate that you gave me something extra for what I'm doing just out of the kindness of my heart. I appreciated that. So that's all I'm. I, all I could really ask for. So if people really like stuff, yeah, I'll make something. I'll send them their way. Man, I know that's I'm so make. generous of you. Yeah, it's <laughs> it makes me it makes me it makes me feel good to be able to do it and to even though I think it's not really something that it's maybe the quality is high enough to sell, but somebody thinks its quality is high enough to buy it, then I really I it it is very appreciative. But yeah, the next video I'm going to do, it's going to be a lot simpler. It's going to be like, I think it's Red Hood. Even oh, though I cool. screwed up and I thought it was going to be Deathstroke. But um, I'm working on a couple other things that are not, they're not that craft related. They're different things out of wood and stuff. But the next thing is going to be a lot simpler. I think Red Hood is going to be really fun. But that one's for what Jared Gafford. Oh, nice. So I'm like, dude. I know that guy is a super DC fanboy. He's going to love it. I've never made one before, so I think it'll be really good for me. But, yeah, that's going to be the next video. Because I'm working on something right now that I have to finish before I can start it for myself for C2E2. Is that the the jacket you're making? Oh, yeah, that jacket is done. I finished that. uh, Oh, dude, those pictures. that Yeah, because that was... Oh, that was just within the last few nights that that you posted those pictures wearing what I yeah so it is done <laughs> yeah but yeah dude the, that thing looks great dude it came out so good like I'm gonna complain about the inside of it the seams and stuff I don't know how to to line <laughs> a jacket I don't know how to line a jacket but it's like vinyl so I I couldn't mess up sewing anything I couldn't put pins in to hold anything in place while I sewed it. And I'll be honest, the only thing, I've sewn my kids two or three costumes, and that's all the sewing I've ever done. So I like, I put this thing together, and I was like, I looked at it, and I was like, I look fucking awesome. <laughs> I was so, I was, I, dude, I reached for the stars, and I and I caught them all on that one. That came out so good. I'm so happy with it. But I'm making the helmet to go with it now. Oh, nice. Are you going to have the guns, too? I'm going to try. I don't know how much time I'm going to have because I still want to get this stuff done for all these other guys. Oh, yeah. That's a good point. And then, and I'm going to a convention with a whole bunch of people. I've got I've got like a little round speaker that I'm going to take with me. I'm going to make it into that little uh, storage thing that they held the Infinity Stone in. So I'll have oh, a sweet. with me. And I'm going to have a messenger bag. So I'll, I'll be good to go, I think. Oh, hell yeah. I can't wait to see the pictures from like the full costume. That'll be cool. Yeah, I'm I'm so looking forward to it. I've never I've never I think I dressed up for one convention for about 20 minutes, and I had to take it off because it was it was god awful. But my son my son suckered me into. <sighs> we went to a convention, and that that night he's like, "Dad, can you throw together a costume for me for tomorrow?" I'm like, "Oh shit!" So I made him like a blue lantern costume. 
kind of like the Green Lanterns, but it's a different emotional spectrum or something rather. Yeah. So I made him. I made him a costume. And he's like, "Can you dress up tomorrow?" I'm like, "I guess." What am I going to dress up as? He's like, "I want you. You can dress up as Booster Gold." Oh, nice. Like, oh, fuck. <laughs> so I ran to the store. I bought some gold fabric and I ran over to like Kohl's and I got some clothes, like workout clothes, and I sewed gold parts onto it that oh my god i thought it looked terrible but i went in there and i had like safety glasses that were yellow to match his goggles (laughs) dude i went in there and like all the people in costumes loved it they loved it and i'm like dude i feel like an idiot because it took me like i don't know two hours to put this thing together last night because my son wanted booster gold but yeah, I couldn't wear it. It was so ew, man, I felt so terrible wearing it. <laughs> so I, t- I took it off after like after just a short time. Uh, I've never been to any sort of convention or anything like that. Um, uh, Cedar Rapids, the was is the the big town in Iowa that I live out right outside of. They just had a, a Comic Con not that long ago, and then I was like, oh man, I really want to go. And then I was looking like. Last year, like something like 30,000 people or something like that went through. Oh. Or maybe it was like 10th. I don't know. It was a lot. It was in the thousands. And I was like, oh, that's way too people I can't do it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but like C2E2, man, that would, I would want to go more just to hang out with people in the army. And be yeah. like, I'd be the weirdo that went to C2E2 and they'd be like, so what'd you see at the convention today? Uh, I didn't go to the convention. I'm like, what do you mean? It's like, <laughs> I, I hung out here and I waited for people to get back to hang out. <laughs> yeah, you know, dude, I love not, it. Not that I wouldn't want to see all the awesome stuff in there, but it's like, <laughs> I, I, you know, I, my ideal good time is being out in the woods and, you know, hearing like the birds chirping and all the silence yeah. and stuff. And then you get me around that much chaos of that many people all clustered close together. And it's like, it puts me so far out of my comfort zone that it almost oh, spins yeah. me out a little bit, you know? <laughs> yeah. We went, we went to one that was so shoulder to shoulder trying to fight our way through to get just to meet up me and my wife. Cause we usually split up when we get there. Someone takes some kids and the other one takes the other kids. And it, it's it's crazy, and some of the people there are just they're, oh my god, they're they have so many different personality types. Me and my son, I'll tell you this really fun story. Me and my son were shopping, and then I hear these obnoxious guys behind us going sweep the leg, sweep the leg, and they're talking just trash. And I turn around, and it's freaking the dude from the Karate Kid. Who is that? The, um. Ralph Macchio? Billy, no, uh, Billy oh. Zab- Zabka. <laughs> okay. He's like, he's right behind me shopping. And I was like, with my son, I was like, oh my God, I want to say something. Dude, I want to say something. But all these people are just hounding him. They're obnoxious to this dude. And I was like, I'm not going to say nothing. And so I'm, I don't get starstruck, really. So I'm like, what? And I look at it and the, the, he makes eye contact with me with this sad puppy dog eyes. Like these guys <laughs> And I look at him and I look down at my son while I'm making eye contact. I go, hey, Jason, do you know who this guy is? And he's just like, shit. My son looks up. He's like, who is that, dad? I go, that's the real karate kid. And I said that just telling, talking to my son, looking at this guy. He looks at me. He's, his fucking eyes lit up. Points right at my son. He says, that's right. I'm the real karate kid. <laughs> Excellent. And I was like, fucking, that's awesome. Like the one person in the whole crowd not hounding this dude was me, 
and just introducing my son to him without, you know, without distracting him, respecting what he's doing. And it was so awesome. Yeah. But man, those conventions are a lot of fun if you find, you know, uh, if you find if, if someone could, you want to meet there. Yeah. And if I could get in the right frame of mind or, you know, just be with, you know, have like the right friend to go there with it, you know, then it would, it'd probably be a little bit yeah. different. But like, I remember one year just once ever in my life did i go shopping on black friday and i went to a mall with my wife and like there was people just kept bumping into me and it was like personal bubble personal bubble get get away yeah <laughs> to the point where like i was like seriously considering like just climbing into the fountain in the middle of the mall just because then i knew that i'd have some space and i was going to just like stand in there and yell for my wife until she came and rescued me <laughs> it's just yeah. it, was, it was too much to deal with the but. best time the best thing i ever i think i ever did there is i my daughter wanted to dress up so we dressed her up as kind of like a winter soldier mix-up and i made her a fiberglass captain america shield that was the best prop to take to that convention i was able to push people out of my way when they would bump into me That's they wouldn't awesome. have to touch me i was like oh this is great i love this shield <laughs> Well, you know, growing up in in small town Iowa, um, you know, you get certain things taught to you that you just come to think is like a way of life. And, you know, like, you know, please, thank you, excuse me, you know, manners, that sort of shit. Yeah. And then I remember when I was a senior in high school, I had taken enough science classes to where I was able to go on the senior science trip. And we went to Chicago and they take you to like, you know, the Field Museum, Science Museum, shed aquarium you know all, all those different places the educational things like that in um in chicago and i remember walking down the street and like people bump into you and be like oh excuse me and they just ghost you like you didn't even exist oh my god and i remember after like an hour i like turned to somebody i'm like is it pissing you off that all these people are bumping into you and nobody's saying excuse me and you know they must have been more traveled than i and they're just like well yeah like that's that's just the way it goes like there's so many people here that it's like when you get so many people together in one space, just ignoring the people around you seems to become the norm. And then with it, just a certain amount of rude behavior. You know, I remember I got hustled by a, a kid that looked like he was like 10. He was like selling candy bars. <laughs> and like I overpaid for like Reese's peanut butter cups. And then he did something really fancy with the giving me the change. <laughs> And like, oh. it had to have been a hustle because I'm walking away and I'm looking down and I got like $7 in my hand. I'm like, I just paid $13 for Reese's peanut butter cups. Like, oh, son he short of changed a bitch. You. But he did something really fancy where it was like, he's like, give me his change back. And then he's like, oh wait, no, I didn't do that right. And you give me that back and then I'm going to give you this and I'm going to do that. And I'm just sitting there just fucking bewildered. And I'll blame it on the fact that I was 17 and I was a hayseed. But... <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! But yeah, er. yeah. I to I totally feel you. I it, we've been going, we've been going to conventions. We fuck our first year. I think we did two. The next year we did like five or six. The next year we did five or six. The last year I only did one or two. And it's it's one thing I don't miss is the big conventions with all the people touching me, bumping into me. Oh. But you know what? It must be a different thing because I took my kids to the, 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 I think it's the biggest one in the country for anime conventions. 
and I'm not in I'm not into anime. I'll watch some, but it's it's really hard for me to find them that I like. And those people, they're all young people in costume. They love their whatever. They were almost anybody who bumped into you. They would help make room for you. They would apologize. That's awesome. It was the friendliest convention, and it was the best convention I think I ever went to. So it must have to do with like genres and people. That makes so sense. I, you know, yeah, I can bitch about millennials all I want, but this place was full of millennials <laughs> that was, and they were so nice, and they were so accepting, and they were so they were awesome. God, I feel like an asshole for bashing millennials now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I try to not generalize with like anything anymore, you know, and purely judge, you know, and it's so much more delicious when you can judge an individual person on their own shortcomings. (laughs) And it just must be exhausting to apply it to a whole group because then every time you meet someone out of that group, it's like, ah, I got to drag out my baggage of my beliefs that I think on this person before I've even met them. (laughs) It's like, wow, that's, that's incredibly limiting. I think that's just the, the one target I can hit when my daughter has all of her friends over and they all have their own different views on life and everything. The only thing I can hit them on is, you guys are all millennials, so I can just bash them all <laughs> just for fun. And they know it. They get it. They know it's not real. But it's like, that's the low-hanging fruit is, well, I can't blame you. I can't talk trap. can't talk crap about what your beliefs, and sometimes you make sense. So I'm just going to shoot for the low-hanging fruit that you're a millennial. <laughs> yeah. I end up hanging out with a lot of millennials for climbing. So... <laughs> <laughs> so I never even thought of it much that way for a while. And then, because what was weird too is like, I like I'd say something to my wife, like, like, uh, you know, just that it was weird being in my thirties and hanging out with dudes that were in their twenties and then kind of like trying to like remember back to when I was that age and then be like, like, did I do things like that? And it's like, I look back in my twenties and it was like, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. So somewhere along the line, I just did like a total three sixty, like because when I was younger, I was like a very, I mean, it had to have been like a like a a, a look at me type attitude because like I had, I had a, a Mustang in high school, like it was an eighty three, so it was like the hatchback style. Yeah, and I had, I had subs in the back of it that would thump so hard that when I would, I had early release when I was a senior. And the math teacher came down and talked to me one day in one of my morning classes. And he goes, hey, when you get done with early release, he's like, maybe wait till you get a couple blocks away from the school before you turn your stereo on because you're rattling all the windows in my classroom. And it's very distracting. And rather than being like, oh, I'm really sorry, I went, that's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) And now it's weird. It's like, oh, I relate with old man Shooty so much when he says stay out of my yard. Oh, like, I relate with that so much now. And now, like, if a kid goes by with, like, really booming stereo, I'm like, hmm, you know, that's really loud to everybody around here. And in the end, you're rattling your car apart, kid. <laughs> it's like, you cantankerous old bastard Joe. You had a stereo system way louder than his in your car. <laughs> oh, man, we have these new new neighbors right next door. I mean, I know everybody has bad neighbors. 
but I don't like them and they don't like me and they have these parties till like two o'clock in the morning. Ugh. They're but they're they're like my age. They have all their kids out. They let their kids be up and loud at two o'clock. Mm. So like Christmas morning, it was Christmas Eve night. So Christmas morning, two o'clock in the morning, I'm yelling at them, swearing for them to go to bed and shut up. And I didn't realize it was the kids I was swearing at. But anyway, but. Like last weekend, they had a big party. They were having fun. They're partying it up. It's 11 o'clock at night. And my old ass, rather than go over there and have a beer with them on Amazon, I bought a fucking megaphone. So the next time that they're loud, <laughs> so next time that they're loud, I can use my megaphone to shut them up. And I'm like, holy crap, I'm such an old, bitter asshole. <laughs> You're putting it, pushing into borderline crazy, breaking out the megaphone, but it's also epic. <laughs> I know. It came in the mail. My daughter saw it Tuesday. She's like, when did you order this? I'm like, like, it's two-day shipping, so when do you think I ordered it? Oh, my God. She's like, can I yell at him? I'm like, no, you can't yell at him. I get to yell at him. I paid the $12. That's rough getting into that sort of argument with a neighbor, too, because then you got to see him all the time. Oh, yeah. Dude, they've only been here for, I think, a year. I've gotten into it. I've swore at them ever since. It, it, there, our friendship didn't ever start. I tried to, and it didn't work. So <laughs> I'm, I gave up. Like, ah, <laughs> fuck it. I like my other neighbors next door to me, so they're cool. Yeah, I like I like half my neighbors. I like the ones that are across the street. I'm a guy, I have a corner lot, and so across the street one way, I really like them. They're great people. The people that live right behind me are really awesome. Um. The people that are on the other side of my privacy fence, I don't really know them that well, but they seem kind of nice. The people that originally lived in that house, okay, tell me that this is an acceptable conversation to have with your neighbor. So I go over and I'm talking to this guy, and it, the the topic comes up that, that I do a little bit of writing. And so at the time I was writing a fantasy novel, and so he's like asking me, about you know the book and i'm kind of telling him a little bit about what's going on with the characters in it and he goes is there lots of pillaging and raping and i said uh nope and he goes oh i don't like reading a book if it doesn't have any raping in it oh jesus christ and so i was just like i was like it just in stunned silence i'm like dude don't ever say that to another human being let alone your fucking neighbor. And so I go home and I'm telling my wife about it. I'm like, you would not. And like, he had this big mustache. So we called him the walrus. I'm like, you would not believe what the fucking walrus just said to me. He said, he's really into books where women are getting raped. So no matter what story he comes up with you someday, never go into that guy's house. And she's like, yeah, I wouldn't have done that anyway. (laughs) (laughs) But who the fuck says that to somebody? Dude, that is the weirdest thing I think I've ever heard. The guy was so creepy. And like, oh, he had two boys and I felt so bad for them because like when they'd be out there doing yard work and if they didn't do it the way that he wanted it done, he'd be out there like yelling at him like, like you stupid little motherfucker, this and that. And like my wife would like look over at me and like see me like gritting my teeth and she'd be like, don't go over there and get involved. I'm like that. The only thing that would happen is if I went over and got involved, the only thing that would happen is that he would take it out even worse on those boys. Yeah, And it's not my place to get involved and don't worry, I'd never say something like that, but man, what a piece of shit. And so I was pretty happy when they moved away. But. I can imagine. I got along great with my other neighbors. 
it was like a single mom with her son and she'd always come over asking for a little bit of help and just hanging out and talk. So I'd go over there and fix some stuff for her. She ended up getting a boyfriend and he, my first thing with him was I was working on the car and he came over and helped me with that. And I was like, dude, this is a fucking awesome set of neighbors. And then they wanted to get married and they wanted a new house to kind of start off their their new life together. And I was like, oh, that's great for you guys. And then when they left, yeah, man, I was so upset. I just don't like the new neighbors, I guess. I'm an asshole. <laughs> oh, yeah. You want to hear about being an asshole to a neighbor. Okay, but I still to this day say that this guy deserved this, but this was me at my, I don't know. If, if, not, if I wasn't being an asshole, I was definitely being a psycho. But so I've got these huge picture windows in my living room that are practically floor to ceiling. It's like basically it takes up the whole wall in my living room. And I got a corner lot. And so when I look out this, I've got like a great view of the sidewalk in the like the four way intersection. And I've got these really big mature maple trees that are in between the sidewalk and the street along the ditch there. And so then my wife tells me one day and we come up with colorful nicknames for everybody. And so this neighbor is butt crack guy because he walks around with his butt crack hanging out all the time. <laughs> and so my wife, <laughs> my wife goes, Hey, butt crack, butt crack guy keeps letting his dog shit in our yard. And I went, what? And she's like, yeah. And he never picks it up. And this is like going on in the winter time. And so she's like, you know, she tells me about that. And so then I'm start keeping an eye on it. And so when I see him on the sidewalk, I'll linger by the window and kind of see what's going on. And sure enough, one day his dog's shitting on the, in my yard. And then the guy just starts to walk away. And so really loudly, I knock on my front window and him and I make contact and I point at the shit and then I point at him. And then he kicks snow over it and then walks away. Oh, like that's going to do something. And I'm like, all right, mental note. I'm not going to go knock on the guy's door. I know where he lives. I'm not going to go knock on his door because number one, I fucking hate doing that. I'm not going to go have an awkward conversation with somebody on their front step unless it's absolutely warranted. But I just make a mental note. Someday I'm going to run into this guy in the street and him and I are going to have a conversation. Spring comes, all the snow melts. And sure enough, there's like at least two dozen shits clustered around this tree. Like some of them are actually on the sidewalk. Right. And I'm like, I'm pissed. I'm like, I am not going out there and cleaning up that fucking half decomposed fucking dog turds all over my yard. And so I get home from work one day and who's walking down my street right eight feet away from my car. It's butt crack guy. <laughs> and so he's walking around. And I go, Hey, I was like, would you mind cleaning up after your dog? And he goes, oh, I clean up after my dog. My, my dog hasn't shit in your yard. And I said, dude, don't, don't treat me like I'm an idiot. I said, we both know that you and I have made eye contact. You know, I said, I remember that day and I know you remember that day. And he's, then, then he changes his tune and says, oh, well, this is, this is an easement. This isn't your property. I said, no, I have to mow up there. There are kids going back and forth to school that have to walk on that sidewalk. People shouldn't be having to walk around piles of shit. I said, and besides, it's a city ordinance. You need to clean that up. And then he starts saying something about, oh, fuck city ordinance, and he doesn't have to listen to me. And so then I said, well, the next time I see your, you leave dog shit, I'm going to come sprinting out my yard and I'm going to pick it up and I'm going to throw it at the back of your head and then we'll see how you like it. And so <laughs> this is where he really fucked up. 
and like he said, "Don't get lippy with me, boy." Oh shit! Yeah, and this was right after the big flood in two thousand eight, where I had to spend all that time fixing my house and going through all that. Like I was suffering from minor symptoms of PTSD. And one of the things that was manifesting was I had no control on anger. Like I would flip out, but you know, it was either I'd be flipping out at work or I'd flip out at home. And so if I would start to flip out, I would clamp it down really quick because I didn't need to be yelling at my wife about something that wasn't her fault. And I certainly wasn't going to be yelling at people at work and endangering my job. And so I was a powder keg. And then all of a sudden, this guy calls me boy. It's like, dude, after the flood, I was one of the first people moved back into a house because I hustled and I got my house rebuilt, mostly by myself. And at the time, I was only 28, you know? And yeah. this guy, he, he, his house gets demoed and he moves in with the neighbors. He didn't do jack shit. And he's going to call me boy? And also, I'd been watching a lot of Deadwood. And I don't know if you've ever watched... Do you ever watch Deadwood on HBO? I've only seen a couple. Oh, okay. So, like, every other word coming out of my mouth when I start yelling at this guy is cocksucker. God. <laughs> and I blame it on Deadwood. And I'm like, call me, boy, you motherfucking cocksucker. And, like, like my wife was outside with our... At the time, we, we just had our oldest son. And she said that she just picked him up and went in the house. <laughs> <laughs> and so anyway, this guy like just starts backing away from me and I'm standing at the end of my driveway just yelling at him as loud as I can. And like, seriously, every other word on my mouth is seriously cocksucker. <laughs> and so, oh God. And so then he goes and walks off and disappears down the street and I go and sit on my stoop and I'm starting to cool down. And it's kind of like, you know, like the Hulk turning back into Bruce Banner. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sitting on my stoop going, what have I done? I just screamed at my labor so loud that everybody in a three block radius heard me yelling all those words. <laughs> and so I, yeah. And so I actually stood on my, sat on my stoop and I waited for him to walk by again. And I, and then I walked up to him and he was really wary when I went up walking up to him and I was like, Hey man, I was like, shit got crazy earlier and I apologize for that, but you need to take responsibility on the fact that you're standing here calling me a liar when we both know what's going on and you need to remedy this or, you know, this is going to get out of hand again, or I'm just going to get the city involved. And so I was able to then, he, and he didn't even come over and clean it up. He, the, the lady whose house he was living at, like the preg, the like eight months pregnant lady came over with a bag and got on her hands and knees on the sidewalk and cleaned up all that shit. Oh my God. And I was like, what a fucking asshole. He doesn't even have the balls to come over and do it himself. Like he probably went over there and like talked about what an asshole I was. And she was probably the one with a conscience and was like, you know, you need to go get that cleaned up. Fuck him. I'm not doing that. And then she goes over and does it like whatever. But what's funny is now this guy, he won't, he'll cross the street before he walks past my house. (laughs) that's great that's great this was in like early 2009 when this shit happened (laughs) he still won't walk past on my side of the sidewalk so oh my god you know that's definitely a moment with a neighbor that i wasn't proud of but yeah i dude i i hear you i have no i'm like zero to 60 when it comes to my temper which is why i went to a therapist to begin with which is like, my neighbors are partying it up, having a great time. And in their perspective, out of nowhere, 
this fucking batshit crazy neighbor is swearing at me, yelling at me, hollering at me. Worst things that you could possibly imagine. Oh man. God, the last time the last time I yelled at them, all I heard was a couple little kids saying, Is he talking to us? Oh no. Oh. That started. I was like, fuck yeah, I'm talking to you. What the fuck's the matter with you? Don't you know you need to go to and it was like, dude, it re- reiterated, I'm fucking pissed and you're going to bed. So it's like there's nothing there's probably nothing worse than the neighbor telling you it's time to go to bed. Yeah. But it's like fuck I had had enough. This last time my wife convinced me cuz I couldn't yell. My throat was freaking done. I we called the cops and they never showed up, but we called the cops. I'm like, yeah. dude, I'm that I'm that old bitter old man. I oh, well. There's certain instances where I think that that's the appropriate response is to just call a uniformed professional. And let them deal with it. You know, but, you know, I mean, it'd have to be something somewhat serious, but, you know, I, I wouldn't want to waste the cops' time, especially where I live. I live in a small town outside of Cedar Rapids, so they have to actually send, like, a county deputy into town to to deal with anything oh. here. But, like, if I got a neighbor who's, like, leaves their dog outside all day and all the dog does is bark all day, it's like, ah, I'm not going to put up with that. You, you, the city's going to get a call from me. <laughs> I'm going to give him an address and be like, hey, send this idiot a letter with the appropriate city code attached to it that you can't leave your dog outside to bark all day. It's like, I just don't understand why people can't understand that when you live in town, you are signing an unwritten rule that you're living in close proximity to other people and we're all going to get along a lot better if we respect other people's space. And part of respecting other people's space is not being a loud fucking idiot at inappropriate times. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We live like right at the corner. So like it's a really busy street. And so we don't have neighbors across the street cause there's one of those privacy walls. So it's like neighbors, there's neighbors there, but that's their back fence or their back wall. And we live on the second house from the corner. So when my neighbors who live on the corner party it up and they have all their friends and family come over, they take, there's nowhere to park because they're on the corner. So they park all up and down the street and in front of our house. And it's like, we can tell, it's like, you can just tell when the neighbors are going to have a party. My wife will pull the truck or car out and park in front of the house so they can't park there. And as soon as they see us do that, they get pissed. Like, you're taking spots from our people. And that's like, yeah, we are for no reason. But we're doing it. <laughs> but we're doing it because we can. It anyway. <laughs> yeah. It's so awesome. It's like, you know what? I can't stick it to you all the time, but I'll stick it to you a little ways and I'll get you. <laughs> when I was a kid, there was a single guy that lived across the street um, from my parents' house. And uh, he had a job in IT. And this would have been back in, like, you know, like the early 90s. And uh, when the the dot matrix printer was uh, was like the height of technology, and so you know you could print out a banner, you know, and then you just wouldn't tear the pages apart at the perforations. Yeah. Well, the neighbors were going to be having a party, and they went over and asked Richard, the single guy, "Hey, is it okay if people park in your driveway since you're always gone on the weekends going doing your job?" And he's like, "No, you're not having people park in my driveway." <laughs> but he knew that they were going to do it anyway. So before he left, he painted out a banner and tacked it up on his garage door that said, welcome assholes. 
<laughs> oh, that's fucking awesome. It's only good. I remember mom and dad looking out the kitchen windows and seeing that. And mom and dad were really good friends with Richard. And so they knew the whole backstory of why the banner was there. And I remember walking into the kitchen and dad was just dying laughing. And, <laughs> and he had to explain to me what the welcome assholes banner meant. <laughs> That's so awesome. <laughs> it's funny. My neighbors, they're like, they don't, they're tread so carefully with me. Like, they're afraid to ask for anything. And they have like two broke down cars in their driveway. As soon as they moved in, they had to put them there. And these dude had some, I see They were parked in front of their driveway and they're hand carrying all this firewood up to their house because they bought some firewood. And I'm like standing out in the garage or outside. I have one spot in my driveway open, which is right next to where they're stacking their firewood. And the guy looks at me. I'm like, yeah, I'll bet you want to park in my driveway. Bet you'd love to back that thing up and just have to st- and down stack all this crap real easily. And I'm like, you're an asshole. That's all I'm thinking is fuck you. You can, you know, and the guy looks at me and I know he didn't want to. He's like, can we? Can we back up in your driveway and stack this off? I'm looking at him. I'm like, yeah, I don't care. Just like that. Like, I don't care. Under my voice. Sound like Clint Eastwood. Like, fuck you, asshole. <laughs> so they, they back it up. And I'm just, I'm just outside doing stuff around the house. And they're back, they unloaded the shit out of it hella fast. They unloaded it so fast. And he's like, you can have some if you want some. And I'm like, don't be fucking nice to me, dude. I don't want you to be nice to me. And I go in the house going, God damn it, the fucking neighbor was nice to me today. (laughs) Isn't that kind of funny when that works out? That if there's somebody that you've always had an adversarial relationship with, and then they do something seemingly out of character and be nice to you, and it's like, (laughs) you almost want to be like, well, thank you. <laughs> you <know? laughs> I, dude, him and him and his wife came over. They had a they had a little party going on next door, and they come over with some uh, what they had? they had like carne asada or something. And he doesn't speak very good English. And she comes over, and they're together. And he's got this forced smile on his face because I know he's not happy to be over. And he's like, "We're having a barbecue. And we wanted to give you some." And I was by myself. I just finished dinner and I had already ate. And I'm like, um, okay, thanks. And it's like, was kind of uncomfortable for all of us. And I walked in the house and put it down and told my kids. Sure enough, they were buying me off to fucking partied up hell aloud all night. And I was like, God damn it, I fought the bait. I should have told them, no, I don't want your food. I want your silence. Yeah. I didn't say I don't know. I, I guess I'm particular. But it was a Saturday night. It was the summer and they, they were up till midnight and I'm like, it didn't bother me. But it's like I don't think they understand when to buy my silence and when not to, because it was like, dude, it's Saturday on a sun on a summer day. Fuck party it up. I don't care. Just don't do it on Christmas Eve. Yeah, the the last oh. time I had to go and actually talk to a neighbor when they were being loud, it like went really well like at the moment, but then he stopped me in the street the next day and like basically yelled at me for embarrassing him in front of his friends. And this is a guy that's like old enough to where he's like white beard, white hair, like old freaking guy. And he's got this, um, Oh, it's a slick car, man. Uh, Oh, of course it's going to, 
fuck, that's going to drive. Oh, it's going to bother me what the hell it is. <coughs> Not important. <laughs> but anyway, he's got this slick freaking muscle car that, that he I live on a one block dead end, okay? And so this guy lives right at the dead end and I'm up by the stop sign. And so in this one block, you know, period that or space that he has to travel, he's got to like put the fucking thing to the floor and race from his driveway to the stop sign or race from the stop sign to his driveway. And it's like, dude, there's little kids that live on this street. You have fucking white hair. Why are you driving like a moron 16 year old? It was a Buick Grand National. Boom. I'm not fucking oh. retarded. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and so he's like firing off like uh, like really loud fireworks, like really late at night. And both my kids are sick. One of them's got an earache. And every time that thing booms, they just start crying again. And so I wait until like freaking 11 o'clock and it's still going on. And by this time, my wife is like all in a rage about it. And, and so I'm like, all right, I will go over and I'll ask them if they can cool it on the fireworks. And so I go over and I was like, Hey, I was like, I hate to come over and be a buzzkill when you guys are having a party, but I got a couple sick kids that are trying to sleep. Can you guys please stop firing off the fireworks? And, and they're like, Oh, that's not us. And I'm like, come on, man. Like I'm watching them go out of your backyard. You know, I know it's you just, just please stop. And they're like, okay, okay, we will. And then the guy stops me in the street the next day. He's like, I can't believe that you had the gall to come up and ask me that. And you know, we weren't the only people in town that were firing those off. And I said, yeah, but you were the only one that was firing them off to where they were going off right over my house. I said, look, man, I had a couple sick kids. I don't give a fuck about you. <laughs> like, I'd be like, dude, you're a renter. You're not going to be like, there's going to be some other asshole in this house in like a few months. And, you know, sure enough, that's the way it worked. God. <laughs> but yeah. Oh, man, you really roll the dice when you got a rental property next to you. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's funny because we had our we had I don't know if you saw it on my Facebook we had three trees fall in my backyard yeah. at the beginning of the year, so we're like dealing with these neighbors behind us because they own a ranchette so they're they're a little bit farther behind us than like a normal house would be, and we go over there we're telling them we're like yeah you know we had a tree fall in our yard we live right over there and then they're like walk over and they point at the corner house they go is it right here and I'm like no 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 it's next door it's right here she goes oh. So are they the ones that are loud and party all the time? I'm like, yeah. And they're like, oh my God, how do you deal with it? We almost called the cops a few times. I'm like, well, thanks for the confirmation. <laughs> it's like, but that's not us. But it's like, dude, it was so funny to talk to these two women about, because they have to deal with it too. They're a little bit older than I am. So it's like, they don't like it. They get tired of it. But it's like, dude, give me a break. You're like farther away. You can go inside, shut the door. And you don't hear anything. <laughs> but it's like. It was it was so funny to hear them complain about it because it's like yeah you can complain but it's not on the same level about it than than I am yeah <laughs> it was funny God, fucking neighbors <laughs> I know and we keep talking about it I just keep coming up and it's like man I could bitch about a lot of neighbors <laughs> I think I've only scratched the surface <laughs> I. I I got to meet these two women, and I really like them, but they don't want anything to do with any no other neighbor. They just want to live in solitude. So I'm like, I get it, I get it. But yeah, having them have to pay for the repairs to my fence and my, my pergola cover out there, 
really we got to know each other a lot better than I thought we were going to get to know each other. Yeah. But I like them. Yeah, when I had that big windstorm that went through here, there was, um, what was it? I had one or two pine trees that were like right on the property line that blew over and they landed in the neighbor's yard. But then I had a couple other trees that came over and landed in my yard. You know, I mean, they started in my yard. That's where they ended up laying. And um, so I already had like five down trees I had to take care of. And then the one neighbor came over and miraculously all the other mature trees in his yard were fine. And uh, this was the first time I'd ever talked to this guy. He was the guy who, um, after weird rapey walrus guy, um, like, <laughs> uh, and what's funny too is like, he told me, <laughs> um, almost everybody in town got money from FEMA to rebuild after that, that happened, the flood in 08. And this guy yeah. next door, like a rapey walrus guy, he told me that he spent all of his money on weed. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> and I was like, oh, aren't you going to fix your house? And like, he had it gutted. To where they, they took everything out and then like he paid a contractor to put in new floorboards and then he put like a pellet furnace in and then they were just living in the house like that. Oh my God. Just him and his boys. And like the upstairs, you know, that hadn't got touched by the flood was still kind of the same, but the downstairs, it was just totally gutted, all fucked up looking. And yeah, he was like, he was like, oh, I just spent all my money on pot. And I'm like, wow, dude. I'm like, that's Okay. And then sure enough, a few months down the road, he's not making his mortgage payments anymore. And so they just walk away from it. And the house just sat vacant for a really long time. And then my wife and I were like kind of crossing our fingers that maybe the city was going to buy it and bulldoze it because they did that with a lot of flood properties around town. And so we're like, great, we're not going to have to worry about neighbors over there. There's going to be a really big, the, there's going to be a huge lot over there. The, there'll be just extra space that the kids will be able to go and play in maybe. And then, nope, contractor bought it and fixed the house up. And now it's one of the prettiest houses on the street. <laughs> 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 but at the time, it was just that contractor that owned it when that tree fell in it. And when he came over and talked to me about it, I was like, oh, man, how on my ass is he going to be for me to, to get rid of this? And he couldn't have been cooler. He looked at all the trees down in my yard and he was like, man, you've got so much on your plate right now. He goes, I'm going to take care of this whole tree right here. He goes, if you don't mind, I'm just going to leave the stump there. And I was like, I don't give a shit about the stump, man. That's awesome. And God. so, yeah, I mean, that was definitely a positive experience that could have gone a different way, especially when you have to tangle with a neighbor over like a, a monetary issue. It's, oh, you know, yeah. it's got to be awkward. Yeah. These neighbor ladies, they had, uh, they didn't want to file a claim. They wanted to just pay for it. So, because they had so many other trees just falling in other yards, they filed claims to where um, they came in and they hired somebody to, to fix my stuff. And these guys were, they were bending brackets with hammers trying to straighten stuff out. They were trying to screw together split wood and still use it. And I was like, I had fired them, dude, off, the, off my property. I kicked them off, yelled at them, and I busted them with pictures going, you can't fix it like this. This isn't right. But they didn't speak English and their boss was on the phone and I... I, I don't know. I It was a bad experience. He was cutting me off, and I swore at him and told him to quit cutting me off, and you don't, don't ever come back, this other crap. And they, So they called the women, and the, the one lady comes over, and she's like, what's going on? We just want to you know, have these guys fix it. I'm like, dude, these guys aren't touching a thing. Yeah. They suck. They're terrible. She's like, well, they gave us this estimate of like you know, $200 in materials, and I'm like, dude, that's not going to cover shit. 
but you're not going to fix anything for that. And we're going back and forth. And she like broke down. She's like, you know, our deductible is $5,000 now because we've had to file all these claims. Like we can't really afford this. And we're trying to get the best people for the job to fix it. And I was like, well, what are these guys charging you? And she's like, well, they're going to charge us 500 in labor plus 200 materials. And I was like, look, this is how much this piece costs that piece. It's going to cost at least two or $300 to fix all this stuff. And this on top of labor and her, she's just like, Oh my God, this is terrible. And I'm like, you're lucky. I know what I'm doing because I'm the one that put all this up. Yeah, exactly. And she was like, she's like, Oh my God. And it's like, we were talking back and forth. And I said, you know what? I'm going to do you a favor. Just get rid of these guys. I'm going to fix it. You pay for all this stuff and I'm going to fix it. I go, it's going to, it can't cost more than $500. So she was like, and the other lady comes out. She's like, All right, oh my God, are you sure? Are you sure? I'm going, yeah, look, look, I want it done right. They're not going to do it right. I don't want to do it at all, but I know you need the money and you can't afford it. I'll take a day out of my week and I'll freaking do it myself. And after that, everything's been great. It's just, I don't want to have to fix it because I still haven't put it up yet because the weather's not right for it. But it's like, everything went really well once I told them that. I mean, I've already got the money for all the materials and I've, I'm ready to go whenever I want to. So it's all done. My fence is up, but it's like, holy crap. It's not, that's not the way I really want to meet my neighbors. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> but it's like, it was, it was all out of money. It was like, was I going to be the asshole that's going to make them spend thousands of dollars? Or am I just going to suck it up and say, Hey, I will fix it. Give me the money to fix it. We'll, we'll, we'll call it good. And that's the way it went. And yeah, every, between me and that neighbor, everything's great. Yeah. Well, that's good. If I were them too, I'd be re- reviewing my homeowner's policy. <laughs> oh, no, they had, they had like, uh, what was it? Five trees fall on other people's fences. So it wiped out their fences and whatever they broke in the backyard. So they had to file five claims. Mm-hmm. Each time they filed the claim, their their premium went up. Oh, that's... Yeah. I, I have such mixed feelings about the insurance industry. Yeah. And like most and of was, them tend to the negative, but I, I got to say that when, when that shit happened with the tree on my house, my insurance company was, they were right here. They got me paid quick. And that adjuster, he was, he couldn't have been cooler. He like went around and found every little thing. And there was even some things where he pointed out and he was like, that happened in the windstorm, right? Right. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, yeah. And he's like, good. I'm going to write it down. I'm like, cool. <laughs> That's awesome. Cause I, I talked to my insurance dude, and apparently these these women behind me have the same insurance as I do. And they told me that, like, if I have any problems with them, they'll force a claim on them and give them a bill. So I was like, oh, I could really screw these women over if I really wanted to. But they were really cool. They just didn't, you know, they didn't have the money to pay someone to do a top-notch job. But they had the money for me to do it myself. So I was like, well, I'm not going to screw somebody over for not having money so yeah God, fucking my neighbors <laughs> next door think i'm a total asshole and the ones behind me think i'm a saint so i think i'm <laughs> right down the middle and little do they know you're actually this really nice super talented guy <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah it is kind of funny how you know just depending on the interactions you will have with you know various people that you meet in life you know they could all have very different and skewed perspectives on you. It all depends on, you know, what were the circumstances that brought about this interaction? It's yeah. weird, man. 
I'm a really nice guy if you shut the fuck up. <laughs> Apparently, right? <laughs> <laughs> that should be on a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good t-shirt. I like that one. <laughs> oh, well, man, it is, it's getting pretty late and uh, we're like over three hours in, so... All right. I think uh, yeah. We'll probably wrap it up. <laughs> is, uh, any, yeah. Anything else you want to wrap about or? Ah uh, man, I I can't really think of it. This is a pretty good conversation. It took a lot of different turns. <laughs> it sure it's did. A really man. good night, dude. It, it, I appreciate it so much. The especially on such short notice, man. Like, I mean, this is yeah. this will be episode five of Startcast, and so you know it isn't like i have a deep well to draw from here but this is definitely the fastest one of these has gone together (laughs) (laughs) yeah i kicked i got one kid kicked out i kicked the other one out the other one's got a friend over and they're old enough to take care of themselves so i was like holy moly i have free time (laughs) oh it's gonna be so good that's awesome man You know, if you liked what you heard today on the show, why don't you hop on iTunes and give us a review? Uh, you can check me out on my Facebook page. That's uh, Starkcast, uh, S-T-A-R-K-C-A-S-T, all one word. If you want to send the show an email, and I will read those on the air, it is starkcastpod at gmail.com. And uh, thanks again, Eric. It's been great. Yeah, thanks thanks a lot, Joe. <laughs> and thank you all for listening and until next time, this has been Starkcast. <laughs>